done. Oh, there's Phil. Phil from Wales. Phil. Hi, Phil. Phil. These are all the guys we read their mail. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize the Sandman. We're like old friends. Uh, yeah, I muted. Uh, I did mute somebody. So I've got control over who can talk and who can't. Um, gives me a great feeling of power. Well, everyone can't talk at once, right? No, but we can have multiple people on at the same time if we want to start a debate. How's the level now? Can everybody report in? Uh, can they hear us okay? Sandman is... Oh, no mic from Sandman. That's okay. Kevin in Canada. Thanks, loves, Kevin. Loves the show. Okay, the level is good now, Guest 2 said. Thank I, you. I hear Thank you, Guest 2, for letting us know that, because it's hard for us to tell that all at once. Yeah, because now I can hear everybody in my styrofoam cup in the string that you gave me yeah. for headphones. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. We ran out of extra. Can you hear them? Uh, I can't hear anybody, just you guys. I can't hear anybody. At first I did hear... Uh, nobody. No, nobody. I've got everybody muted, muted except no. I'm going to unmute this one guy. Uh, most of the guys are are in as just uh, chat. If you see the little telephone next to their next to uh, Tim Bunce. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, there he is. I heard him. There he is. Hi, and where are you calling from? Uh, UK. In the UK. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Rural Britannia. Rural Britannia. Are you recording? <laughs> Tim, do you guest host the Dragon's Landing in? No, no, I don't. I, I, okay. I play nothing but recording stuff. Well. Sounds just like the guest host on the Dragon's Landing in. Oh. I like what he said. He just plays only Squadron. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you would. Oh, we like variety. Well, thanks for joining us, Tim. I think right now you are our only other uh, audio caller. Everybody else is just listening and um, and chatting with us. So not bad. Wow. We'll hopefully we'll do this more often and other people will join us. Okay, good. It's, uh, yeah, it's nice to be here and uh, you know, fantastic Tim Arthur's. Yeah, someone said. Said Tim sounds like a Dalek. Dalek? Da, da, a Dalek? No, it's from Doctor Who. From Doctor Who. On my end, you do sound a little Apple. bit like a Dalek. Yeah, a little bit distorted. I'm not sure why. So, uh, Tim, we're gonna we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of start the show. Are you gonna be with us for a while? You're gonna be listening in. Are you on your computer? Yeah, I'm on the computer listening in. It's uh, one o'clock in the morning here. Oh my gosh. Thanks for the dedication yeah. for uh, coming in and signing in at one in the morning your That's time. Nice of you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of start the show, and so I'm gonna mute you for a minute. But um, you know, or unless you have a particular question you want to ask us before we get started. No, no, no. Just listening and joining in the general chat. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll talk to you again uh, shortly. Okay. Cool. cool. Well, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 22 of the Two Half Squads, the one and only netcast. I'm not going to call it a podcast anymore. The one and only netcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. Okay, what's the difference between a netcast and a podcast? Um, uh, We're live and on the uh, the Internet. That's right. Okay, I yeah. can comprehend that. Yeah. 
I think uh, it, it says a little more it, because a podcast means you listen to it through an iPod, and I don't have an iPod. So, uh, it's a netcast because we're broadcasting across the net. So are other shows netcasts also? They really are, yes. Okay. I'm going to go back and change them all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Remix them all. It's the new terminology. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on this very auspicious, momentous occasion. Uh, this is show number 22, Light em Up. And Dave, what's the date today? Uh, the date is July. Is that right? Yes. July 27th, <laughs> Monday night. See, Dave's a teacher, so he's off all summer, so he just loses track of all time. I, you know, every day is a Saturday. I even yeah. do it during the school year. It's a big gray area for him. Well, um, we're going we're gonna to have a good show tonight. should be very interesting. We're hoping to get some response back and forth from all of our guest listeners, and we'll be talking to people, and maybe we'll have a surprise caller. Like, who could, who could call us that would be really cool? Um, well... Steve from New Hampshire just checked in, and Sandman says it's the 28th in the U.K., by the way. Oh, it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're ahead of us. I wonder what's happening tomorrow. We could ask him. Um, we had a good John. show last time. What did we do last time, episode 21? Did anybody listen to that? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Lighten up. Oh, yeah, lighten up. Right. What's that about? Oh, yeah, light anti-tank weapons. The Panzerfaust Klein. That was a very good show. I kept telling my wife, boy, this this is really a good show. You'll have to listen to this. And so she listened to it, and I said, wasn't that a good show? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> very heavy on the squad leader. I told so. my friend to listen to the skit in the beginning because I said, hey, I, I think it's a really interesting skit we did. And he listened to it, and he's like, hey, it's kind of short. <laughs> yeah, my wife says they're all too long. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. John Hill would be a cool call. It would be if John Hill... I mean, do we just read off these, Jeff? Is this how we're hand? If you uh, want. Sure, I don't know yeah, what to want. do. I, mean, I don't know what to yeah. do. Help me, help me. There's all these things yeah. showing up on my computer screen. I know. This is a little overwhelming when you're it's when you're first looking in here. But uh, uh, Someone says uh, John Hill would be a cool call. Yeah, we actually, we're trying to get in contact with John Hill. Um, currently, I've sent out several emails, and I need to double-check on the status of that. Someone was supposed to get in touch with him for us. Yeah. He was supposed to contact us. Um, anybody else have annoying music in the stream? No, no, no. No one. Everyone says no. Annoying music? What do you mean? What could he possibly mean? What does he mean by annoying music? Oh, wait. I think I do hear something. <laughs> it sounds familiar. What's this from? It's like a joke song from... I think this is a good way to lead into listener mail. And Sandman says the comedy intros are not long enough. Also. I'm sure he's kidding. Guest 9 <laughs> is going to go out and come back. Boing, boing. Yeah, you know, just to, to pause and talk about those those skits. I don't know. There's been a couple of nights because you guys, Jeff, Dave, you say, well, think of stuff. There's been times like on... Sunday night, I'm going to bed, and I'm just tossing and turning because I'm trying. I keep thinking about what to do. What 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 would be a good idea? It's really yeah. hard. So I give uh, Dave and you, Jeff, credit for coming up with all these skits. I mean, it's there's some really. Jeff is very creative with oh. comedy bits. 
Dave. I can't take all the credit. You've probably come up with more of the comedy bits than I have and, no, and you, no, produced you, some very good ones. Yeah, yeah. You, you've come up with more. I've just produced more. Yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, they're fun, they're very fun to do, so I'm always uh, I'm always uh, thinking. As I'm driving, most of the time I'm thinking about what to do for comedy bits. Anyway, uh, should we do some uh, listener mail? Well, yeah, but I would point out that Bandman says comic intros are great. Hold a competition to come up with the next one. And I already like guests too there. Oh, that's a nice idea. So are we going to officially do that? Sure. Um, and actually, we used one idea, which was the dog growling at me when I was cheating. From, yep. That was from a listener. So competition is open, everyone. Here we go. Mail in your comedy bit ideas. Right. Uh, don't share them with anyone else. No. Nope. And the winner of the competition will get, I'm going to hold this up. Oh, we don't have the camera. Uh, a <laughs> C4 countercutter. So we're going to, we're going to evaluate your, your entries and give away a C4 corner cutter. And life as you know it is going to change. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I'm holding it right here in my hand. Okay. Well, I'm the postman, so yeah. I'll mail it out. Okay. Oh, speaking of mailing them out, the last shirt is gone. Oh. Well, actually, there's a medium that's really cruddy, like he ripped us off, so I was keeping it. <laughs> if we use the same guy, I'm going to take it back and say, you owe us another shirt. This one's not good enough. Yeah. But the rest are all gone, so the sale's officially over. I'm done riding my little bike to the post office. I think you did a great job getting those done, Dave. And are you, do you have any plans uh, for another batch, you thinking? Spring or Spring? next summer? Yeah. It'll, it'll be probably a year, right? Yeah, probably. Probably. We've got to build up some. De- we want to be like MMP. We want to really build up some demand. Oh, well, since we have people online, anyone that's logged in here willing to buy another shirt? Or oh, it- look, they all left the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Let's talk to Rugby One. Hold on, I'm going to put Rugby One on. Hey, R- Rugby One, hey, do you want to buy a shirt? You want to buy a shirt? Who's that? Oh, I can't hear him. Oh, we're gonna have to work on the. Uh, oh, you're breaking up. Sorry, oh, he's gone. Oh, there he is. There he is. Oh no. Ah, uh, well, maybe. He did. That's why. Hello. Ah. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, could hear you now. Okay, I'm muted on the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's a little better, yeah. Okay, sorry. I don't know if you have uh, your speakers on on your computer. But uh, if you do, you can turn those down. Okay, sorry. Turn off your speakers. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, I don't know how he looks like that. Unless you have, if you have a headset. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, you want to buy a shirt? Oh, <laughs> Only one person does the last year. We'll check back with you. We'll check back with you later. Uh, okay. Sandman says he'll take another one. Guess two. Oh. Missed the shirt, but medium ain't gonna do it. So yeah, we need to do some double X's and triple X's. I've yeah. heard. Yeah, well, we do. We're printing up shirts right now. I mean, we're, we're, we should be able to start shipping within a week or two. No, <laughs> no, no. That's what? a lot of work. Is writing, that a little writing your little bike little, to the post office? Okay. 
Yeah, I don't think we'll sell them all. We don't want to get stuck. Cost a lot of money. Um, we can get stuck. The economy is bad. We can get stuck. Just yeah, like the let big me banks. For you. I hope yeah. everybody. Oh, I hope everybody will join us right now. Let's take a pause. Oh, and that's Joe's bottle Joe's opener. Joe's bottle opener. Finally got that in the show. And Jeff, what is that fine beverage? Beverage? I haven't even had one. Well, beverage this, you're having now. Uh, tonight I was very uh, excited to find these at the store. Not very excited, but uh, I guess I'm easily excited. It's a Cronenborg, which um, Cronenborg from France, and. Um, used to be one of my favorite beers, and I haven't seen it around much lately. So I was happy to find this particular brew. The Cronenborg. Thank you, Cronenborg. And you have more of those for when Joe and I are done? Yes. Uh, actually, John Cleese used to do the commercials for these back in the 80s. Oh. Have a crony with your crony. Yeah, he hated it, too. <laughs> so... Another listener suggested pre-orders. Actually, we did pre-orders on those shirts. We did. Remember yeah. that? We said, "Yeah, P." It was uh, email us. Let P, us know if you'll P buy 20. a shirt. <laughs> Not P five hundred. We had only had five people pre-order and ended up selling the thirty-five shirts. But a lot of those were at a convention, so I don't know if that, you know, that might make a difference. Yeah. If you're there with cash and we're sitting there in front of you with a shirt. And if somebody's drinking a Coors out there, as long as you're drinking a beer. Well, actually, Joe and I are doing what, Joe? We're going to do some uh, special wine tonight from... I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. They're going to drink wine. It is Claude Dubourg from Mirtry. They're ladies. Try. They're drinking wine like ladies. And this is a wine that I got from France. I had some visitors come to my house from France. And oh, really? David, the visitor, I said, David, come down to my room with my iPod here. And my laptop, my, my my MacBook, and record for me, please, how to pronounce, guess what game title? Croix de Guerre. Croix de Guerre. Now, would you like to hear the official? Yeah, I'd like to hear. How Can I turn up my it? mic? Yeah, for turn this up one? your uh, speakers. All right, I'm pulling it up here. Play it nice and nice. We're on it. All right. We're on delay. Play it nice and nice. Okay, play it, Dave. Let us try this. Croix de guerre. Croix de guerre. Play it, Dave. Let us try this. <laughs> Croix de guerre. Croix de guerre. Yeah. Croix de guerre. Play it, Dave. Croix de guerre. Croix de guerre. Croix de guerre. There you go. Now, I think we've... Uh... That's a real French person saying Croix de guerre. How about that? We drove that right into the ground. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Tim, Piet. Yeah, bazooka. And Phil, our friend from Wales, is uh, drinking wine tonight also. Oh, and Rugby One thinks he fixed his headphone problem. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, we'll check back in with him. Akatui said that. That's four. You should be ashamed of yourself. You typed that in too fast. you got to type that slow. Hakapale. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do our uh, listener mail. Oh, wait a minute. Is that the new Lister Mail theme song? It is the Lister Mail theme song. Can you email me a copy of that? Yes, indeed. And we have two letters tonight. 
Perfect. We have two letters. Two letters from people like you and me. Uh, who's going first? I'll go, I guess. I just have a nice short one here. Orchard is inherent terrain just like grain. In full ASL, grain is not inherent terrain. Rule B15. See the B chart. Grain does not have the filled-in black box. Okay, because we had said things made of little dots filled the whole hex, like orchard and boulders, but grain is not made of dots, and it does not fill the whole hex. Yeah, Our so mistake. Ah. The rule is ambiguous in the starter kit uh, rules. And it would be a great quiz question. Name all nine items in which the whole hex affects line of sight without looking at the terrain chart. Okay, listeners, the three of us are not going to answer. You can start typing in. Read the question again, Joe. Name all nine items in which the whole hex affects line of sight without looking at the terrain chart. Keep up the great efforts, and this is from Nelson Asada. Thank you again, Nelson. Phone booth. Oh, that's you, Jeff. Oh, Craig. <laughs> Costa says Craig. Guess four says brush. So far, are they right? Orchard. Dense jungle. Yes. Dense jungle. That's oh, four. This is great. This listener participation. We should have is... looked these up beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> Someone put smoke with a question mark. We don't know either. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke fills the whole hex. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. But was that line yeah. of sight hindrances? or? Uh, yeah. Just says... Name all nine items in which the whole hex, so it's inherent, yeah. affects line of sight without looking at the terrain. Let's chart. take smoke, although smoke's not terrain. Oh, someone just said that. Oh, he's, he said that. Smoke's not terrain. Rubble? Yeah, that fills the whole hex. Yeah. Palm? Palm trees? Hey, you weren't supposed to answer, Joe. Oh. Palm trees? <laughs> I guess Mr. Hoy, J. Hoy. Correct. Mm, yes. Well, yeah, but not terrain, is it? Yeah, it's not Debris, terrain. Debris, that's correct. Bamboo. Yeah, with a question mark. Hey, why not? Yeah. Sure. Marsh. Marsh, yeah, I hate those. I hate swamp and marsh. I'll bet that's close like to nine. Be hot. Well, that's a good question and good answers, well done. You all did well. Uh, I've got a letter here from Robert from Scotland. Thank you for another great show. I think this one was the best yet. Captured my interest from beginning to end. I'd never heard of the Panzerfaust Klein before, so I learned something new. And then he has got a link here for for a site that has some good photos of the weapon, which I haven't looked at those. Did you look at these photos, Dave? Uh, actually, yes. Have to uh, to do that. Apparently, you can buy one for $90, a reproduction, though. But if your street is plagued by Russian tanks that keep taking your parking spot, then perhaps it might be a worthy investment. Careful of the back blast. <laughs> okay. Robert from Scotland, remind me to stop thinking about visiting Scotland with my tank, especially. Thanks for that, Robert. And that was the end of Listener Mail. Wow. Short and sweet today. So um, we go on to our main topic for the day. I don't know because I'm confused by the talk shoe on my computer. Hmm. Okay. So is our goal to go back and try and interview someone? 
Uh, yeah, well, we we could uh, let's, or let's just check in. Read let's, their comments as we go through the show. Yeah, let's check in. Uh, yeah, do you see an interesting comment there that you want to? Uh, a, a joke, special scenario rule. Get Joe. Yeah, the Americans drop cigarette packs and leaflets on the enemy. Uh, entire opposing order of battle, his hip due to smoking them. If you got them. Good trick. Lucky strikes. Yeah, they were the best cigarettes in the world at the time. I was reading in um, at, um, Army at Dawn, where they were talking about the, uh, the troops going over, being shipped over to North Africa, that they brought 500,000 cartons of cigarettes in their... They wanted to have enough. That's, that's enough. It was the good old days. Yeah. They had priorities. Yeah. Nowadays, they're they trying did. to where you can't even buy them on military bases. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Things, yeah. Times have changed. Wow. Did you smoke when you were on the ship, Joe? On the boat? I mean, on your boat? <laughs> I have to say, the Navy is what caused me to start smoking at the age of 18. Yeah, probably. Because the guys who smoked cigarettes got longer breaks. I mean, I used to drink my Mountain Dew, and we'd be, you know, after working in the chow hall, the mess decks for a while, they'd say, go take a break. And I noticed that the guys that had cigarettes... You know, when they came back to get us to go back to work, they'd say, well, you guys with the cigarettes, finish your cigarettes. And, and of course, those guys would slow down and take an extra five, ten minutes to smoke their cigarettes. So I went out and promptly bought Benson and Hedges 110s. Ooh, 110s. Extra long. Yeah, they were extra long. So, my, you know, they lasted longer. Yeah. And I couldn't stand them at first, but then you got hooked. You can only smoke those on aircraft carriers because uh, most ships are too short for the 110s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad said when he was in the Navy, um, they weren't allowed to have spaghetti because it was too long, so they could only have macaroni. (laughs) (laughs) That could be wrong. That could be wrong. So when did you quit, Joe? Yeah, many, many years later, about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. But harder to quit. Good for you. And when I smoked, we actually smoked in an open area in the school where the kids could walk up. It was like the teacher area, but it was just partitioned off. Yeah. And the kids would walk up and look over the partition. Mr. Kleinschmidt, what's the homework tonight? And I would be smoking a cigarette. I'd just go, ah, uh, that's up there on the board. Go ahead and take a look, you know. And that, honestly, how it was. You are unmuted. Hey, rugby, do you smoke? Yeah. yeah. Yep, we had those two. Smoke and coke. Where are you calling from, rugby? People listening, he's typing in his answers, answers. and we're reading them to you. Now we got to figure out this call-in feature. This may not, and this is not going to be the last time we're going to do a live show. So uh, we may have some technical glitches we've got to overcome. But I have the feeling it is the last time we're going to do a live show. (laughs) I'm glad after all the work I put into getting all this equipment. No, I I think the interest level is there. You know, there's a lot of people logged in typing away. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We just got to work on the audio a little bit. We do. I don't know why rugby, but we could not hear you. I'm going to ask my yeah, wife I'm, to call I'm just in making a um, joke. Um, shortly using a te- an actual telephone because you can call in using a phone. If you if you want to just call in using a landline, you can do that. I will tell you what the phone number is. S2 says they have feedback echo problems. No. Would you hear me, rugby one? Yeah, I couldn't hear you really, rugby no. one. No. But if you wanted to... Um, I know why. Oh, I forgot to unmute. Forgot to unmute. But that oh, okay. wouldn't do it, would it? 
Oh, I don't know. Muting would just be listening. We're going to try again, Rugby One. We're just going to check in with you real quick and see. Okay, you're on the air. You are unmuted. Hey, I'm here. Okay. Okay, say, okay. say something really <laughs> funny and interesting. Uh, I don't know. That was pretty good. That's exactly <laughs> what, how we do it. Let's be an ASL thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. We're going right. to check, we'll check back with you. Well, Sandman had uh, put out a question. What's your favorite module? Do you want to tackle that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Dave, you want to start? That was seconded by guest number two. Um Oh, favorite module. There's, you know, that's just there's two. Hakapale yeah. will be my favorite module. Um, I love the Japanese. I love Kota Bushido. A lot of work, but very cool because it's so different. Yeah, I think it, it threw it in a different enough realm. And actually, Paratrooper was very dear to my heart simply because it was like the you know second module. Ooh, you know. But beyond that, I don't have much of a reason for that. Costa says Hollow Legions. He joking or is he serious? I I don't know the way he typed that. It looks serious. <laughs> he capitalized it and everything, so I think that was serious. For me, guess two beyond valor. I just started after years of pre ASL. Yeah, good for you. Oh yeah, red barricades, of course. Guess four. Joe, how about you? Yeah, definitely. I agree with Dave. I, I like Code of Bushido when it when they introduced the uh, the whole PTO. That really mixed things up. It, it, a lot. Of, yeah, granted, a lot of people steered clear of it for a while with the caves. Uh, a lot of work. Uh, yeah, but once you get over that initial shock, it's uh, uh, we've had a lot of fun. It just, uh, yeah, definitely, that's my favorite um, module. Yeah. And it's uh, the latest rumors on the, uh, we call it the uh, Game Squad on the website. There is. They're really getting closer and closer on the finishing up the workup to get this thing reprinted, finally reprinted, after many, many years of being out of stock. And they're going to combine it. It's going to be the Code of Bushido with Gung Ho. And I think they're even going to throw in something else in there. But um, Are they calling it Gung Shido? Uh, <laughs> Code of Ho is what the, the slang is. Code of Ho. I like that better. Yeah. Um, Code of Ho. Yeah, currently there's a whole thread on uh, on the Kind of like similar to the Hakapali discussion on the name, because there's a lot of that. That's a divisive. Some people just can't stand the name. Some people love it. Uh, the same with the specific module. What are they? What are they going to name it? Uh, but pretty much the slang is Code of Ho. And Code of Ho. It might just wow. stick. I, could just <laughs> I think we should. Let's all right. Let's take just a minute and think about some combination. You know, mashup modules, like um, for King and Gung. For King and Country? For King and Gung. For King and Ho, I guess, if the King had a Ho. Code Ho. You know what I mean. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Hollow Ho? Hollow Ho. Yeah. I guess Ho really kind of fits in with a lot of them. Don so, Ho? We don't have to spend too much time on this, though. But um, Yes. Uh, my favorite module, I think, is for King and Country because, by God, my roots are in England. My God, how I love her. <laughs> the land of my ancestors. Very uh, good. Yes. Even the facial expression. Yes. I wish people yes, could I've see what your... Uh, my stiff upper... Yeah. Uh, that lip. upper lip there. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, so definitely uh, for king and country. I want to play more British. I want to play more British. Give me some British. So I'm going to go, go around and get uh, people's ideas for what their favorite British scenario is. Are there some British in the Pacific? Do, I've never played one. Are there any <laughs> PTO scenarios? Uh, Singapore, yeah, when it fell. Yeah. Uh... 20. Yeah, where the the British just run. <laughs> no. They get on their bicycles and run. E- ELR no. 1. It's like the only time you'll see ELR is below 3, I think, for the English. No. Handman says he's on the starter kits, but just got gung-ho, so he's excited about that. Asta said bridge to nowhere answering Jeff's question why he liked the Italians. Oh, he said he liked the Italians. Yes, he liked the Italians because they have uh, good restaurants? I don't know. And Rugby One, yeah, Burma, that, that's near and dear to me because my wife is from Burma. So um, definitely we've done some play testing from, from uh, Bounding Fire, Jeff and I. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for Burmese uh, scenarios coming up in the soon-to-be-released um, Blood and uh, forget what the the new module that we were talking about, Jeff from Bounding Fire. It's gonna be on pre-order soon. Oh right. Uh, it's gonna have 40 scenarios, all PTO based, but not just your Marine versus Cave bug hunting type, but it's gonna be Burmese fight fighting uh, Indians. You know the British Indians. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's gonna be a really good mix-up of scenarios. And then also some scenarios from. Uh, Are we allowed Saipan. to call them Indians? <laughs> I'm not, what would you call them? Oh, I'm thinking. No, okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yes. But I think they, they are. <laughs> uh, yes, they are from India. Okay. Costa um, points out Malaya for the British. What about Malaya? Is there a Malaya? A British module? Can. can Scenarios featuring British against Japanese. Oh, there are. Okay. Wouldn't you think Singapore? I would have thought there'd be something. Yeah. Yeah, down there in the early part of the war. And then. Uh, and there's the CBI theater, China, Burma, India. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I like uh, Jay Howie. In your best Chicago accents, tell us who would win an ASL match: Steve Paleva or Ditka. Oh, Iron Mike Ditka. Ditka. Ditka would win ah, because Ditka. he'd just jump over the table and knock the guy out, right? The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Or spit a wad of gum in your hair, or, yeah. you know, like he did that one time. Oh, guest four points out Singapore was Canadian. Canadian. Really? Oh, could be. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, hey there. Oh. Rubbish. That's a good scenario. Kohima. Uh, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Um, we go on to our main part of our show a little bit. We're gonna, tonight we're talking about. Are we doing the whole show with this running? Are we going to cut this off at eight? O'clock? Yeah, but you can you could stop if you stop staring at the screen. <laughs> you should see Dave's but, eyes. But are then looks like a deer. Over, but then you're the just headlights. ignoring all the people commenting. They're talking to each other. I mean, we can glance there and see as okay. we're talking along. But they're also chatting with each other. It's a chance. We're all in. The, it's like we're all here. Chatting with each other. Dave, stop staring. I can't stop staring. I will have to I know close my computer. I'm trying to include everyone. I want everyone to be included. to get him blinders. You know? His I'm mouth not... is open. His eyes are like a, like, he looks like Homer Simpson, just like he's trying to read all the names. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of my DJ days from high school. You know, yeah. So it's, you got to multitask. You got to be able to, you know, I got a rule book open. I got my laptop here reading everyone's uh, yeah, comments. Yeah, I mean, 
They're all very <laughs> they're all very funny. I think they're all funnier than we are. Dave, you have some interesting questions on flamethrowers. Jay says Dave's stare is making me uncomfortable. Tim <laughs> <laughs> well, says we surrendered in droves. I take no pleasure in pointing it out. Next time we do, we, we might do one of these uh, with he video from England? as well. Where's yeah. Tim from? Tim Bunce, where are you from? Yeah, I think Tim is from England. Are you from? Yeah, he's UK, he said. Right? Or was that Rugby One? Or is he saying the Canadians? I thought that was Rugby So we're not going to try and do an audio inter- interview anymore. We're done with that? Uh, no, we may check in with those guys if we can. Uh, let's, let's check in with Tim. It's got to be Lucy Goosey. Tim, the... where are you calling from, Tim? Hi. Hi, <coughs> Hello. Yes. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, uh, well, it's good to be here. Yeah, no, um, yeah, it was the British who surrendered in uh, Singapore in droves after not really being that much of a fight, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, it's nice to have that. It's one of the few times, though. Because you answered that question, we're going to send you a new car. Dave is going to oh, take that over to the post office right away. On my bicycle. <laughs> but you have to pay the postage. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a size medium. So be be on the lookout for that. Um, let's do it. Oh, before we do, we want to invite you all uh, to follow us on Twitter. You know, if any of you are, uh, are Twitterers, you can follow us on Twitter because we post some really fascinating tweets on there. And uh, we are the Two Half Squads. You can find us right on our website, which is www.thetwohalfsquads.com. And also for those of you that might be in the Indianapolis, Indiana, USA area within uh, in two weeks at Gen Con, Dave and I will be at Gen Con all, well, for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're leaving Sunday morning. Early. but we uh, Early Sunday morning. But we will be at Gen Con, and if anybody's going, we'd love to meet you there. And you can buy us drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and lunch, too. Yeah, and lunch. And No, I'm kidding. No, we'll buy you. We'll buy for you guys because you guys are great. Love it. Uh, I want to, um, if you don't mind. I don't mind because I'm on. just all confused with I, I think we should, the technology. I think we should get on to our show. Yeah, all right, Dave, you on with the show. On with the show. There. Dave's closing his computer and we're oh, going on with the show. I see Jeff Yeah, and I see Joe. Yeah. And you're just and now I noticing. A bunch of computers and cords and microphones and look at all this yeah. expensive stuff. And you notice how I'm not wearing pants. No, I'm not looking under the table. Yeah, okay. Probably a good idea. Oh, Dave, somebody just asked you a question. Oh, great. I'm not staring. Now I'll stare again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, today we're going to talk about the topic of the show today is light them up. We're going to be talking about all things related to fire. Oh, and in, in commemoration of this, hold on a second. <laughs> Look what I brought. Flaming Hot Munchies. <laughs> These will set your taste buds on fire. We hope everybody can join us in some Flaming Hot Munchies. These are, it's like... Good thing I gave you guys the oh, man. chocolate cookies before we started. My daughter made this. It would not men blend well with the Flaming Hot Munchies. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, those are good. All right, tonight's topic is flamethrowers, Molotov cocktails, in a quiz show format without the buzzer. Right. And Joe will finish off the show with a history report on flaming tanks. Flame tanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Flaming tanks? Really? Yeah. Not not flaming tanks. 
Not Fleming tanks. Flaming tanks. All right. So, uh, Dave, you want to start? Sure. No, Dave. Uh, I don't Dave, know where my folder is. Dave has a, a quiz show segment on the flamethrower. Let's uh, let uh, let's wait until Dave prepares. Switch? No, I can't. You're going to switch topics? I would remind us, yes. I was going to. I would remind us that we have a open, what's in the box, turning the tide this evening. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. And we also have, or at least I do, recently played scenarios. Oh, very good. So, good man. Excellent chap. Flamethrowers. A very short section of the rules, actually. It is amazingly short, but uh, dense. But lots of information. A hot topic, though, if In you fact, will. I had no trouble coming up with maybe 30 or so questions. So, wow. Question number one. In, yes. in our new quiz show format, we're going to pause and let our audience members think longer before we take uh, guesses. Okay. That's good. So everybody can uh, be ready to buzz in with your answers or uh, instant message with us. And quiz show intro music. Oh, right. Uh, quiz show intro. And question go. one. What is a flamethrower's normal range? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Let's, let's let everybody. Okay. Your time is almost up. I'm assuming, Dave, you mean only infantry held flamethrowers. Correct. I'm going to answer uh, one hex. Correct, Jeff. I thank you. What is a flamethrower's firepower? Uh, oh, I love, let's go back for a second now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall. What is the dimension of a hex? Is it 220? 40 meters. Oh, it's 40 meters. Okay. I'm thinking of Panzer Grenadier, which was 200 meters. 40 meters, okay. So a flamethrower, one hex. Does that mean a flamethrower has... It couldn't possibly have a 40-meter range. But One hex means the adjacent hex, right? Adjacent okay, hex. Okay, so adjacent hex. Okay. But it gets even better. After we say, what is the flamethrower's normal firepower? Yeah. Oh, normal firepower. 36. No, Joe? Uh, anybody? 24. 24 is correct. Ah, very good. Yeah, where did I come up with 30? I'm thinking there's a demolition. You're thinking <laughs> DCs, but aren't those 30? Yeah. I think. DC with some mines added on or something. We've got about uh, 15, by the way, 15 or 16 people listening to us right now. No, actually, well, three of them are us. Oh, right. I think some dropped and came back in. I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll find. I can't, I, I'm not going to look because I'll just get confused. Yes, yes you will. <laughs> May a flamethrower use long range firepower? Everybody? Well, everybody's furiously writing down their answers. Oh, that's 
That's what they're doing. I didn't know what. I thought they were dancing ballet. You can hear those. You can hear those pencils just scraping away. Okay. And the answer is. What was yes. the question again? <laughs> May a flamethrower use long-range firepower? Oh yes. A little trivia question: And how do they do that? Very carefully. Downhill. Oh, downwind. By using looping fire. Comes up a little later in my quiz show. Looping oh. fire, really? Well, we'll get to that in a second. I don't know anything about looping you fire. You will find out soon. And if I was going I just, to fire... I just sprung from the womb. I don't know anything about looping fire. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. If I then fire at long range, my normal firepower is 24, Jeff. Oh, anyone, what is the firepower at long range? Well, I'm going to make a guess here. 12? Correct. Right. Now, if I'm adjacent, is the flamethrower's firepower doubled for point-blank fire? Only if the squads in the adjacent hex are nude. <laughs> no, they're not wearing pants. No. Um, hmm. You ever double that 24 to make it a 48? No, I never I, have. I, no, I, 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 I no, wouldn't think you Joe could. Joe is correct. It has never doubled for point-blank fire. No. So what about triple point blank fire? I would say no. No. Is a flamethrower, so I'm shooting my flamethrower through an orchard or through some grain. Is my shot affected by hindrances? What's so funny about hindrances, buddy? (laughs) Oh, somebody just wrote and said that... uh, Oh, I can't see that. Flamethrowers are more effective if the... Targets are covered in oily rags and sawdust. (laughs) Okay. You promise to put that stuff in, and I'll keep my computer closed. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. So I shoot through some woods, or not woods. I fire through some orchards or some grain, some hindrance. Is my fire affected by a hindrance? Uh, I I would say yes. Joe, you're, you're awfully quiet over there. Uh, like Dave says, I'm waiting for the oh the listeners, yeah, yeah, listeners for, to oh, for the listeners. Okay, might be yeah. Who knows? Yeah, because it affects bullets. It's gonna, gonna affect the flame, the stream of flame shooting through. Yeah, I would think even palm more so trees than bullets. Are, it would, yeah. and that yeah. is correct. Now here's the thing: I always forget and have to look up because it's got other special stuff. It's not doubled for point blank fire. You know the hindrances affect it. Um. When you fire at a concealed target, is it halved? Uh, I would say yes. Yes, I'm it's correct. Yes. You you half it for concealment. Is it half for advancing fire phase fire, just like all the other weapons? No, it's not. Joe is correct. It is not. And see, that's what confuses me. It's like, well, everything's half for concealment and half for advancing. Oh, but not the flamethrower, but it's still half for concealment, and it's hard to remember. So create... Yeah, building TEM. Does it do, like you're, and, shoot, you're shooting a stream out of stuff. Maybe I'm taking away some of the quiz questions. Which is fine. Yeah, go ahead. So when you shoot a, in the, your flamethrower in the stone building next to you, you get that plus three. And to me, I well, what's the answer? Well, well, of course, no, you don't count terrain effect modifiers. Which is a beautiful thing, right? Oh, that's a great city thing. fighting uh, against stone buildings. Yeah, there's 
So if the building can't protect the men, why are they protected when they're hiding beneath the concealment counter? Oh, maybe because all right here, I'm trying to create a again an image that listeners can remember. Yeah, it's it's firing um, in a specific area because it's really one flamethrower. It is right? directional, and so therefore it probably can't just sweep the whole area, even though it affects the hex. Think yeah. of it that way, maybe. I mean, forty meters is pretty large. Or if they're concealed, they're behind the wall. Or, or if they're on the second floor and you shoot the whole stream of flame into the first floor, you don't know they're up there, then there's going to be reduced chances well, of hurting them. That comes in. It's kind of tricky, actually. Yeah. Um, and I know Joe mentioned this one. I think it was in the last show. What does the triangle symbol on the counter mean? It's on a flamethrower counter. There's a triangle. What does that mean? Write down your answers. We're going to ask everybody to reveal at the same time. <laughs> Hit the enter button. And everybody? Oh, I'm peeking at my computer. Uh-oh. They're actually, they're actually answering. They are. We've got no leadership modifiers. Oh, that's interesting. I don't see the answers. Your chat still chatting? Was I idle too long? <laughs> No leadership modifier. That is correct, listeners. Rugby and Tim Buns and guests four, who's says his response time is slowed down in typing due to his consumption. Good boy. <laughs> Don't encourage that. Yeah. So the triangle on the counter means that it is not leader modifiable. Any but other, counter. But otherwise it is. Correct. Okay. And that's that's on the flamethrower counter. Correct. So you gotta look at you gotta look at that. I mean, do the flamethrowers with the triangle have the same firepower as the other flamethrowers? That's the only difference between the two counters is that one has a triangle and one doesn't? They all have the triangle. Oh, they all do. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, I don't believe any nationality doesn't. Okay. Yeah, because it's in the rules, right? Okay. Um, If I cower, am I a reduced column with my flamethrower? That's a... Let me think. Hmm. My brain is ticking. Do you know? Does a cower flamethrower? I would say no. No is correct. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No is wrong. Oops. Oh. I thought everybody wrong. I yeah, you do cower. I know. It's like you don't have the trainific modifier, and you're not doubled for point blank, but you do cower, and you do half for concealment. What is the... Um, I guess it, if you've got the, the, the flamethrower and your unit cowers, they're just going to duck down a little, so the shot will be less. Oh, okay. All right. I guess that makes sense. Okay, we'll let that pass. We're not going to call MMP and take him to task on that one. Anyway, they're are they still uh, still live guys working there? You think? Yes, MMP? yes, indeed. Yeah, I was hoping Keith Dalton would call in. Uh, actually, oh, Keith is he's up for another interview soon though. Yeah, I contacted him or he did. Or oh, something. you did. Okay. Yeah, I think I did, and he yeah he said he's up coming up next month. Right. 
Now, if you have a second-line squad, a first-line squad, and an elite squad, who should you give the flamethrower to? I'd give it to the second-line squad. You would. <laughs> yes, I would. Sorry, I don't mean to insult you. Joe, who would you give it to? You would give it to your most elite troops. That is correct. Oh. Because any non-elite unit is actually not qualified to have a flamethrower or a demolition charge. It's something I always have to remind some of my opponents, uh, Dave Timonen. No, don't move that flamethrower over there. Move the flamethrower over there with the uh, elite unit, because otherwise you'll have the penalties. Ah. Anyone know what the penalties would be? Hmm. I believe it's plus one for two unqualified use. Um. Well, I have I have now my I'm now thinking of plus two, right, for non-qualified use. Uh, what happens to the X number? Oh, it goes down by, uh, I would say, two. Two is correct. And if a flamethrower is fired by an enemy first-line squad, being really complicated here, what would the penalties be? An enemy first You mean like a captured flamethrower? Yes. Fired by an enemy? Okay. They accidentally fire it backwards. <laughs> no. The X number would be lowered by... Four? Four is correct. Infantry flamethrowers seldom had a range. Oh. Infantry flamethrowers seldom had a range in excess of 50 meters. So therefore, their use at long range require, requires fire that Jeff Joe mentioned, looping fire or yeah. indirect fire. So, Joe, do you know what that is, how that kind of works offhand? Yeah, it's like you take your garden hose and you're, you're trying to get the water stream to go further. <laughs> it's a great yeah. analogy. So yeah. what do you do you, with a flamethrower? You put your thumb over the nozzle? <laughs> <laughs> That's an even better analogy. Yeah. What not to do. Yeah. Yeah, what not to do. That's a no. You only do yeah. it once. No, Joe, that's an excellent analogy. In fact, I, yeah, love it. You raise it up higher to, to try and arc the water over into the uh, the area that you want to hit. Why don't they call it arcing? Why do they call it looping? Because everything has to be challenging. Yeah. It's a squad leader. It has to be complex. Yeah. That's too obvious okay. if they said arcing. They they win the award. Can a flamethrower apply both its normal firepower then and its long-range firepower? So can I hit a, a group next to me at 24 and the group behind them at 12? Looping? No. Somebody said no. No, no is not. correct. Was that, by the way? My computer shut down. It won't give me any more information. Yeah, you have to re-log in. Uh, Tim. Tim said no. Guess 13 said no. Guess 4, single target. They're all correct. They are correct. Not a shotgun. They're really experienced players, aren't they? They are. One's doing good. Can a flamethrower fire at a target one level higher or lower? Well, I, wait a minute. Can I have a... You could fire... Uh, if there's a squad adjacent to you, you have to fire at them? No. You can fire at a squad yes. ne next to them. Find them. Shoot over their heads. Yes. I, no modifiers there. No. So, yeah, if you've got someone trying to draw your fire, I yeah, guess, yeah. and you wait with the flamethrower, you know, just take the shot further back. And, right. 
And is that true with all fire? So yes, all support weapons would be like that. You don't have to fire. Yeah, in some miniatures games I've played, you shoot, you fire at the unit. Anyone in in, in the way also gets shot at. Yeah, because bullets go straight, right? Right. So in squad leader, that was a, a little bit of a hard adjustment for me, remembering that squads in in the way do not are not affected by. Right. Right. Hmm. Okay. That's oh, fascinating. I love this game. It is. So does Charlie. So does Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Okay, a flame fire flamethrower fired at target one level higher or lower. Sure. Yes. I'd say yes. Two levels higher. Sandy Man said we're answering too quickly. Oh, we can slow down. Oh, and, and he says he's uh Charlie, there's uh Phil says hello from Wales. Charlie's licking himself. So I think that's a good sign. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what was your last question, Dave? I'm sorry. And a flamethrower fired a target two levels higher. All right, let's pause and, and let people think about this one. I like all the music that Jeff picks. It is the best music ever for Quizzo. By the way, tonight we are featuring the music of Leroy Anderson, a great American composer. These are all tunes are from Leroy Anderson. Oh, one guy? Uh, yes. And uh, his most famous piece is a piece called Sleigh Ride, which we all know very well from Christmas. Very prolific and uh, terrific composer from the... 1900s. Has anyone chimed uh, in sorry. since the my computer's century. Oh, Yes, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Has anyone chimed in since my computer's closed? Um, uh, the answer, the general consensus is no. Yes, no, non-aerial. They are all wrong. I know it's not a competition, but <laughs> Tim, Tim did say at half firepower. Um, the answer is yes. But I didn't write down the firepower. But, yeah, it would be half. It would be two hex. Yeah, it would yeah, be half. because it's considered the Correct. long range. Right. You're looping. How about three levels? Let's save some time. No. no. So two levels, uh, you'd have to be in the adjacent hex. You go up two levels. Yes, correct. You can't be back one and then up. Aha. Or, oh. How did you possibly know this, Jeff? Can a flamethrower fire at a target two levels away and two levels higher and two hexes away? Now, instinctively, you would say... No. Yeah, I would say no. Because that's two. That's like four or something. Well, yeah, but you're shooting across the valley. Yeah, think of it right. that way. Right? Yeah. You actually can. So you're back one hex and up one. You can do that half firepower? Correct. So okay. now, if I go up two levels and two hexes away, what is the firepower? Oh, we said they can shoot there. Yeah, see if any listeners know that one. Yeah, when, you, one. when you fire a flamethrower, I don't think yeah. I've ever done it in my life. Yeah. I always <laughs> think it's not possible. Well, you've only played a thousand games. Yeah. Well, where it would so be possible is from more experience. And my flamethrowers always run out of fuel. So, of course, two hexes away, two levels up. Like Joe said, shooting across up there. Um, what is the firepower? Yeah, half, 12. Nope. Is that coming up on the computer? Yeah. Wrong? One quarter, maybe. Uh, there you go. Six. Yeah. Six is the firepower. 
Can a flamethrower fire at the descending paratroops? Hey, guess two is saying I'm calling BS on that rule. 80 meters at an inclined angle? Um, he's saying I'm full of BS? On the rule, on that rule. <laughs> okay, okay. He says... Because if he was, I wouldn't blame him. Um, I would agree with him there. Yeah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to be making that shot. Yeah, isn't it? It seems, and again, it seems weird to me. And I actually, I remember being in a tournament, and two of the people were arguing over this rule, and it fired two hexes up and two hexes. Can a flamethrower fire on descending paratroops? No. Why, well, why not? Well, I guess they're moving too fast. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What is the special modifier that makes the flamethrower more vulnerable? Shoot at the flamethrower guy. What, the modifier? special mod. Oh, yeah, everyone should know this. Huh? And the guy's carrying that big cigarette lighter? <laughs> it's really big. Modifier is? Neg negative one. That is correct, Joe. Does that neg one apply when I'm fired at by ordnance? I would say no. You are correct, no. I think I always kind of forget that, too. I don't remember with my ordinance using that neg one. I just jump on it on my IFT table. Yeah, I think, it's, you know, I think the rule states it's only for the IFT. But it does count for ordinance. That would have to be on the E to hit? Oh, once it, once it hits, then... Well, yeah, that, okay, oh, that represents the, the oh, shrapnel one. might hit the tank and blow up. Oh, I didn't write that down. I don't know if that was... Yeah, if that You're just vulnerable. And generally, invul you're vulnerable to... Weird shots that might hit you on the... When the hit hits. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Do Is these it... penalties apply to a flamethrowing tank? Does it have a neg one on anything? Uh, no, it, it does not affect the PRC of that tank that has a flamethrower capability. Right, or the armor factor or anything else of the tank. If a squad has two flamethrowers, do you get a neg two to shoot against it if it's carrying two flamethrowers? You can use two support weapons. Oh, right. This is the really tricky question. That is a very tricky question. So you're saying one squad has two flamethrowers? Yeah. It's going to use both his weapons instead of his inherent firepower. Is anybody chiming in? Uh, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's ask our listeners. Come on. Let's, let's hear it, listeners. Well, we have no answers. Oh, there are a couple of people. Yeah. Sandy Man said no. He also wants to know, is he the only newbie here today? Uh, no, you're not. No, I'm here. <laughs> I'm newbie sometimes when it comes to flamethrowers, because for me, uh, first or second dice roll, and they're, they're, they're run out they're of run gas. Run out of fuel, yeah. yeah. Which leads me on to another topic here once we, just before we get rid of, uh, End with the discussion on flamethrowers. So what Strategy. Is, what's the answer to that question, Dave? And re-ask re the question because I'm having a. Did you know I have a short-term memory problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to log back in, which is really confusing me. So I'm going to close my computer again. What was the question? Yeah, what was the question? Yeah, read, read your question. Re-read your question because that was That's a good what I one. Asked you, what so was the oh, question? if they have two, 
flamethrowers. If a squad possesses two flamethrowers, you get the neg two. Do you get a neg two? You get a neg one like a when neg- he has one flamethrower. I would say no. I, I wouldn't yeah. think that's cumulative. Although logically, chances of something blowing up there might be greater, but no. The answer is no. You don't yeah. get the neg two. Yeah. Oh wait. You know the answer is yes. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm serious. The answer is yes. So it is logical. He's got two flamethrowers that doubles his chances of becoming a torch. Yep. So let me get this straight. When you fire at a squad that is in possession of a flamethrower, the only thing that happens is they get a there's a neg one on there. On Correct. Them, right. Okay. In addition to but any. there's no um. Well, and maybe you're coming up with this. If you hit them and they break, does their flamethrower blow up and put a flame in their in that hex? No, it just makes a better chance of them actually breaking. Okay. Now, if you play the game um, Battleground Miniatures, individual soldier level game. Yeah. What's that game? Um, that game is. Joe well, wasn't aware there were any Battleground. Yeah. Your flamethrower dude, if the role is certain role, he will. Up in he goes up, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the guy carrying that. I don't think that would be a good job for me. No. And now, what is the flamethrower's B number? It's funny. We're, it's be, we're the two half squads is becoming a chat room because there's people, hey, are there any players in Utah? <laughs> no. Or does anybody have local players? It's, it's like we're, we're networking. No, no, no. I think yeah, that's great. great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy in Utah. I think we've uh, he sent us an email. Did we uh, read it on the air? I think we did, yeah. Good thing, and, asking if he needed players. Yeah, so we got to help this guy find uh, find some I guess reading, players in Utah. Reading it on the air didn't help. Yeah, maybe not. Hey there, Utah man. Which guy's in Utah, Joe? Uh, shoot. You see uh, it there? 18. Guest number 18. Guess 18. He says he needs opponents. I, I would grad, gladly go to Utah. I wish I could uh, roll a wife task check there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he could start do a tournament, hold a tournament there. If you hold it, they will come. How many hours to drive from Chicago to Utah, you think? Got to be oh, 15. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say 18, but something like that. Actually, I lived in Salt Lake City when I was uh, two and a half years old. <laughs> we did. We lived in Salt Lake City. Pretty place. Yeah. I've been, and I've been back there once, went to Park City about 10 years ago. Gorgeous. Anyway, yeah, flamethrowers. Does the flamethrower have a B number? Yes. No. Yeah. No. It has an X number. And what is that X number? Oh, we've already mentioned that. It's a run out of gas number? Yep. Okay. Did we say that already? Yeah. Yeah. We said that. Well, Joe mentioned it about, uh, but what is the X number? That's the malfunction number. When it breaks, it's it's not a... It's gone. It's totally, you're not repairing it. Oh, okay. What is repair. the actual number? Well, well, for a flamethrower, ten. Flamethrower, ten. Ten or above. Ten is correct. So uh, that's why mine always run out of fire. Yeah, John got that. Guess six. Guess two. Very good guess, number six. Can a flamethrower kill a tank? Stop it. That was Winston speaking up. Um... He wants a che- he wants a fiery Cheeto. Don't give him one though. No. Um, and a flamethrower kill a tank. Uh, well, let me think. Tim's, Tim's saying yes on an eight. No mods. 
Off of what chart, Tim? Yeah, the high explosive flame to kill. That is absolutely correct, Tim. Very good, Tim. And if it does not destroy the tank, what happens to the vulnerable players, passengers, riders, crew? Tank's not destroyed by the flamethrower shot. Yeah, I'm just waiting for people to. What to happens type to in. the guy that's yeah. sitting on top? I would imagine it's. Uh... Guest 18 says they turn into, or guest 13 says they turn into jalapeno stuffed olives. And Tim is correct, I believe. <laughs> collateral attack, that's what I would do. Collateral, oh, collateral attack, attack is correct, Tim. Okay. Is a flamethrower subject to armor factor? Do you shoot the tank? Do you have to count in its armor factor? Tim said the kill number was eight. I'm going to say no on the armor factor. You yes. are correct, Jeff. Tim gave it away, no and mods. Tim is also correct. What is the to kill number at long range of I shoot hexes? What was the to kill number at one hex? Sorry. Tim said eight, and I didn't write it down. I think he's correct. He is correct. I'm... It's not one of those where the to kill numbers have, is it? That is correct. Inverse square law. Inverse square law. Inverness? The inverse square law. Sounds interesting. Is that a you, squad when you <laughs> double the distance and you decrease the effectiveness by half? Aha! Uh-huh. Now, I fired a tank that is crew exposed. The men are sticking their heads out, peeking around recklessly. That is reckless. When there's a what happens to the kill number of eight? Diamond in. Like the chart says, the heat and flame to kill table. Uh, it it's it would be halved. The kill number. Wait. Half if long range, plus one if crew exposed, plus two if open top. That is correct. Again, that's off the HE and flame to kill table. Right at the bottom there. We have uh, J.R. Dottie, I guess his name is. Uh, he says, I just barely got the rule book. This is all uh, way ahead of me. It is way Hang, hang in there. Go gets better. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Stay with us. Don't give up. And thank you for listening. And what effect, effect would a flamethrower have on terrain? A choo-choo terrain? What kind of terrain? No, oh, terrain. just regular terrain. Flame? Terrain possibility? There you go. Rug, rugby. rugby. Well, Flame in the target. So is that going to be uh, Kindle? So it has to... Yes, C rule section B25.12. B25.12, which okay. probably will be a topic of a future show, right? Burn, baby, burn, as Tim says. Well, is that the, the Kindle rule? Yep, all the kindling, the spreading fire, the blazes, the gusts. So the um, We should do all that sometime, right? All right, so how would that work? So if you're firing at a squad that is in firing or flamethrower at a squad that's in woods, it can kindle the woods? Could start a flame, correct. Could start a flame. Right. Wouldn't kindle because with kindling actually you need to have a leader in a there. Squad in there. A squad in there. Or I guess a leader could try. But it could it. so how do you determine that? So after you determine the uh I did not write it down. Okay. But out of my head. Uh you would you look just consult what I kindle. look at is the uh if you look at the IFT chart. Right. Right, Joe, down at the bottom there, it has colored dots. 
on the IFT table. Orange ones, some red ones or something. And those tell you when to check for blaze creation, flame creation. They're labeled. So like you typically when you get into the K slash or certainly the KIA, you start to have an opportunity for fires to start. Yeah. And that's where I always have to go back to my, you know, chart and look, oh, can a flamethrower start a fire? I have the infamous incremental IFT. Is it on there also? I don't see the dots, but I know what you're talking about. But you're, you're saying in each of the columns, like in next to the, the KIAs. Right. They have little colored dots, like orange, red, stuff like that. The listeners um, chiming in at all, Jeff? Well, um, Phil from Wales says, uh, you spilt the wine, there are no dots. Yeah, no, see. there are dots. And Tim says the IIFT is poison. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic, but see, I've, I I've love converted. A, I love a man with an opinion. Wow. <laughs> Jay Hoy says subsequent die roll less than the kindling. Oh, okay, so you have to make a die roll. Greater than thinking? plus the kindling number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeff, do you have your FT table? The, uh, I actual, do, yes. The real one? Yes, I do. Hold on one moment. Oh, and by the way, I found my OBHR. Okay, I thought, yeah, I knew Thank I didn't you. have it because we don't play squad leader together. Well, Jeff Jeff uses his IFT chart as like a like a placemat for the plate for dinner. <laughs> we don't use them. You know, we got to use them for something. We've got it laminated. I've converted Jeff over to the incremental. You haven't IFT? really? Yes. Oh, boy. Yep, there there they are. There's the dot. I'm playing Bob Holmstrom. Here they are. We will not play with the... He he played me. He played me a game, uh, a PTO scenario a few months ago. Yeah. It was at my house, so I, I, I maybe he was being polite, but he definitely yeah he played a game with the incremental. It's funny how that that's a strong topic of, it's like almost discussing religion. Yeah, but it's been discussed so much. There's just not much more to say. I know. About. Yeah, you, um, you're never going to convince everyone. Original flamethrower and die roll causes <laughs> P P flame. He's calling me a columnist. Sorry. Fifth columnist, yeah. Joe is a fifth columnist. It's not as hard as it sounds. Not hard. Just... Oh, Jay Hoy. Yeah, I'm pronouncing your name correctly because I knew a a girl with that name. I'll leave it at that. How's his last name pronounced? Hoy. Hoy. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the red dot is the original flamethrower cause of the fire, possible flame. Then there's this weird double cross symbol in red that the high explosive heat may cause a possible flame. A black one is for 70 millimeter causing rubble. And then there's rubble also in here. So, yeah, there's lots of little coded symbols. Huh. And they mostly strike in your KIA and K slashes, and they're not on the incremental. No, but I think that's because there's uh, so many columns of possible results that they got to make room. Yeah, and can't fit them on the sides. I mean, it goes I, from one to thirty-six with no with none of the no skipping like on your chart. When you use that German three machine gun factor, it does make more sense. I mean, it really makes more sense. No doubt about that. And it but is it an, op- it's an optional rule in the it rule book. It's an optional rule. Balance, though, as everyone has pointed out on Game Squad. If you believe it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a dice roll is it going to be more more effective in doing That's that? That's like that whole board forty-two incident. What was that one? That's another one that just kills me when I go to Game Squad. Well, Board 42, when they, when they came out with um, Action Pack 3, few returned. The, they, they issued the new, the, that long out-of-print Board 42. Correct. And it was in the starter kit style. Oh, well, they made one little mistake, and, and there was oh. 
there was a wall that wrapped around and it was pulled back one hex. It was one hex shorter. Okay. And uh, the the post on the game squad, I swear you you thought they just totally rewrote rewrote the rules to football or something because it was. Oh, all the scenarios that ever use this will oh. be unbalanced. It'll Unless affect you had a and tank that might use that position for hold down, right? Otherwise, uh... yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to me, squad leader was supposed to be. It's not played on a football field. It's not calibrated and measured. It, it was like nature, wilderness. I mean, it just what happens. You know, if it's the walls that much shorter. I mean, I mean. Yeah, I, I think I've heard of players actually. Taking OBs from one board and putting them onto another and playing games that way. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. You know. Yeah, I know. I could see that. Just to mix things up. Yeah. And wrapping this up here, tank flamethrowers. There's only like three points about them. The vehicular flamethrower, when you look at your vehicle, it has the flamethrower listed usually as the main armament, probably not always. Though might know more with the history report on the flaming tanks, a normal range of two is shown if it firepower is underscored. Underscored firepower means the normal range of that tank flamethrower is two hexes. So it would be longer. Mm-hmm. And can a tank flamethrower with a normal range of two fire four hexes away at half? Let's give that one as a question to the people listening in our little talk show. Again, the question is, can a flamethrower with a normal range of two then fire at four hexes away at half firepower? And the answers are in already, Jeff. Hoy says no. It is three hexes maximum. Guess four says three hexes, and they are correct. That firepower is half. And that, one way to remember that is all flamethrowers, regardless of whether it's vehicle or support weapon, can only be increased by one hex. So the normal range, the max on a, a normal range tank-mounted flamethrower is two. The max it can ever be is three. The same with the handheld one. is normal range one. The max you can extend that is two. So... That rule applies no matter what the flamethrower is on or being used by. It can only be increased by one hex. Inverse, inverse square law. would have to quadruple the pressure in order to double the distance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it's the inverse square law getting in my way again. And that wraps up my portion of the quiz show. That was very good, Dave. I think we should do a how far can a flamethrower fire on the surface of the moon, sort of in a memorial of the uh, Apollo 11 landing. Well, I have a very hard bonus question. Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. You have what? For flamethrowers. You have a bonus question. A hard what? A a hard (laughs) bonus. Go ahead. Let it... Okay, I'm very biased, PTO. I think everyone knows that. So, hmm. against caves, when you shoot a flamethrower at a cave location, mm-hmm. what is or can the flame affect any other location other than 
the single location where the flame hits on caves. When, when or if, is that possible? If you throw smoke into that cave, it reveals higher-level cave openings. The flamethrower will affect... Well, there's that whole central holding area. It doesn't affect that, does it? Don't look at your don't look at your screen. We have one answer from Tim. Smoke from higher level connected caves. Yeah, that's what I said. Higher yeah. level caves. Well, yeah, connected. Thank you, Tim. Not non-connected. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> S four says haven't haven't played caves for a long I've, time. Uh, yeah, I've, that's one thing I haven't done yet. We haven't we haven't played any caves yet. No no bug. I have never. Oh, I've, I've never played caves. I've played. All the cave mod yes, yes, you scenarios have. published officially. Yeah. In order. Yes. <laughs> in order. And no one's loving it. No one's chiming in with it. Yeah. Go okay, ahead. Okay, so Joe. for ten thousand points, any cave that's not at a sub level. The fire also affects the upper level. Of cave. even even units that are undiscovered. If the cave if the cave is higher level, then you shoot into that, that entrance cave, but basically any other caves that are connected, and then there's a special rule for what defines connected. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because there's that holding area, and you, there's really weird movement for caves. Well, caves will be another show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, someday, way down there. A couple yeah. years from not, now. Not played too often, but I just thought it would be uh, interesting to throw that out there. Yep. So there's no spraying fire with uh, flamethrowers, is that right? No. There should be. Yeah. Yeah. Spray Wave that looping thing around. Yeah. <clears throat> looping fire, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you still <clears throat> even with looping fire, you only affect one hex, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Second one. Yeah. Even if it was like one quarter of the firepower, and you you move it back and forth like a garden hose again, yeah. real quick. To <laughs> right. I don't know. Okay. Very good, Dave. Those yeah, were, nice. Those were good. Thank you. I covered every single rule in the section. So. Tasty, tasty questions. Okay, well, uh, Joe, you want to? For a quiz show? Yeah. Uh, oh, you no, want me to actually, go? Joe actually, going to do the history report, I think. Oh, a history report, right? okay. Yeah, because I was going to do quiz for the flamethrower on tanks, but there's really, like, like Dave mentioned, three item bullet items, so he just incorporated into his quiz. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to be talking about the uh, Molotov cocktail, otherwise known as the Molotov or the Mal. And uh, just real quick, I did a, a real quick look up on this, and it, it turns out that this term came up during Winter War, the Winter War, where the Soviet Air Force at that time was making an extensive use of incendiary devices and cluster bombs against the Finnish troops. And um, when the um, during a uh, Soviet radio broadcast, um, Yashislav Molotov claimed that they weren't really bombing. Finns, it said they were dropping food baskets. And the Finns were kind of saying, oh, yeah, Molotov food baskets. Those are, yeah, great. They're killing us. So uh, when the Soviets advanced, they thought, well, well, we'll just return the favor and throw some Molotov cocktails to go with those Molotov bread baskets and food baskets. So that's where the term came, came up from. And um, at first they were just improvised weapons, but they actually went into production. And uh, they were making from factories thousands of these things and had various 
versions of them. The, the simplest version was just taking a, a bottle, a breakable bottle, and putting something like fuel in it, fuel oil, petroleum, um, and then sticking a rag in there as a wick, kind of dangerous. But some of the later ones uh, that they were manufacturing actually had some more, uh, much more effective and safer types of fuses on. So now, yeah. Guess two is uh, commenting or complimenting you, Jeff, on your Fockers joke. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that, uh, yeah. guess two, before the show. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. All right, for the Molotov. What color? <laughs> this is not in the rules. <laughs> Good. Is the counter? That is correct. What color is the counter? What color is the Molotov counter? Oh. Oh, this is in the game. Yeah. I know. Go ahead. There is no counter. You guys almost got me last time uh, on this one. Joe, yeah, Joe tried this one on me last time. Got to get up pretty early in the morning to fool Dave. Tim got it. Guest six got it. And guest two says benzene. Benzene. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is benzene a color? I, I it might be in some countries. I don't know. Oh, there was a counter in Squad Leader. Thank you, guys. Twenty three. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Joe, did you know that one? Yes. Of course. There was counters yeah. for everything in Squad Leader. Yeah. Panzer Plus, right? ATMs. Yeah. You know, the stacks look like like you like to say, Jeff. The Jenga. You know, they yeah. look like the yeah. You know, oh, that must have been. Yeah, that'd be fun. to. Do you have uh, the original squad leaders, by the way? Uh, I have the board still, and I think I have the, all the counters, like, in a jar, just kind of as a, as a like, memento. Yeah. I'll How about you, Dave? You. Do you have any of the leftover original squad leader stuff? Yeah, I just bought it to get boards one through four. Oh, okay. But you I use the, the concealment the counters and some of the old wire counters. Yeah. You have the rules that went with them? Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be fun to kind of retro. I was going for a beer. Also in there, Joe uh, or Dave, if you want to switch to beer, we have uh, Tetley's. Here, uh, can I have it? Uh, our other beer of, of the night is uh, oh, Tetley's English Ale. Man, you should have told me you had all this stuff. I would yeah. not. I would have saved the wine. Smooth and creamy, Yorkshire's finest pub, uh, finest pub ale. Uh, the wine was pretty good. I'll take one now. We shall see. There you go. There's a widget contained in there, so yeah. be careful. Yeah, actually, I, I saw this. I almost grabbed this one day. Anyway, that uh, Tetley's, T-E-T-L-E-Y. Uh, anyway, that is correct. They, uh, the Molotovs are not represented by a counter, but they are considered inherent uh, support weapons in any personnel unit. They can be used by any unpinned, good order, or berserk unit. Now, true or false, this is quick. And Molotovs not be used in close combat. Correct. Go. No. Fifty-fifty <laughs> chance. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, you got me there. Yeah. No, they cannot be used in close combat. Correct. Yeah. Um. All right. And there are three kinds of targets. 
that uh, Molotovs can be used against. Unarmored targets, armored targets, and... Wow. Armored, unarmored, and... Terrain. Buildings. Wood buildings. Stone buildings, too. A duck. <laughs> no, uh, yes, that's right. Terrain. You can use them again. That is correct. Unarmored targets, armored targets, or terrain. To start a fire. Right. Yep. Half flag. Um, Half flag. Can you throw a Molotov through an orchard or woods hexide? That no. is, if you're in, uh, if there are two hexes, you're going to throw it in the adjacent hex. No. And there's woods connecting both hexes. Yes or no? Orchard. Yeah. Orchard no. or woods. No, not woods, because you can't see through a woods anyway. So nothing can go through a woods. Orchard. I always try and remember it's going to break on trees, interrupting it. Is that correct, Jeff? That is correct. You cannot throw if there is a connecting orchard. Yeah. So Tim guessed 13, and two all said no. We won't John, say you said, said yes. yes. Oh. In order to use a Molotov, or in order to even figure out if a squad is in possession of Molotovs, they have to pass a Molotov check die roll. This is a single die roll. And what is the base Molotov check range? Range? Range of numbers. What do you have to roll oh. in order to be in possession of a Molotov? Tim, again, is saying three. Mm -hmm. I would agree with yeah. Tim. Is he correct? <laughs> oh, and Sandman says he's getting the feed before him. Could be true, because he's in England. One to three. <laughs> our, our, uh, Eight hours ahead of him. These photons are traveling at the speed of light, though. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> Well, it's right. One to three. One to three is a successful Molotov check. Uh, there are some modifiers, though, for that. Or for a uh, a crew or half squad, what would be the Molotov check? Hmm. I don't play the Russians. That's that's why, and they're pretty much the only people that get these things. You know, I don't one. think I've ever I don't think I've ever actually played a scenario with a Molotov, which doesn't surprise me. Oh, that plus one, because that's bad for you. A one in your favor. I've done the Molotov projectors, but... Yeah. It's a plus one. So if you're a crew or a half squad, you have to add one to your die roll because you're less likely to have a Molotov than a full squad. Okay, correct. Plus one. Okay. How about a single man counter? Can a single man counter be in possession of a Molotov? Yes. And what would be the modifier for him and on his roll, on his check? S23 calls them glass chuckers. <laughs> I like that. It's a, it's a glass chucker. Tim is saying minus two. I think it's, it's uh, minus plus, plus two, two if it's the die roll, neg two to the number. Or wait. Yeah. Plus two to the number. You know how you, Yeah. Yeah. It's bad for him by two. Yeah. Okay. It's harder by two. Uh, can you name any other modifiers that might come into effect when a squad, half squad, crew, or single man counter is rolling for a Molotov check? I'll jump in and say CX and see what our listeners say. Okay. Into that. Is that correct? You are correct, sir. 
Any others? <laughs> it's a tough one. Okay, one listener said, I never knew the Orchard Woods backside Molotov rule. Thanks. And the other listener said, Oh, I thought you said there there are Molotov rules. Are they in the rule book? Yeah. Well, he says, Where are they? Yes, they're in there. They're in there. Yeah. Right this after is, right uh, after flamethrowers. It's a twenty two point six one. Okay, just got it for yeah. you there. Yeah. Right right after the flamethrowers. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Hoy asked pinned. Is that right, Jeff? Uh, no, because uh, pinned units may not fire them at all. May not have them in That's, possession of them. Yeah. yeah. Again, you got this whole system where pin guys can do most anything, and then you add in this little thing to confuse things. But versus an armor fighting vehicle, Jeff Tim. That said? is correct. Yes. Versus an armor fighting vehicle, there's another plus one. And Gaspar asks lax. I'm going to guess not. Uh, I didn't see lax in there. That's no. a good. That's a good thought. It's but not. I didn't see it in there. It's not in there. Okay. So what would what would a tell me this? This is a, this is a good question. What would a single man counter that is CX have to roll against a, a non AFV in order to have a Molotov? Uh, be a one. Oh, sorry. Or a zero. Oh, sorry. We all get to go to the bathroom while this is playing. Okay, so I'll do that soon. So let me just repeat that. What would a CX single man counter have to roll against a non-AFV? Oh, guess four says zero plus leader modification? No, he can't. I'm going to guess. He can't modify himself. Is that right, Jeff? Oh, that's actually a very good question. Yeah, he can't modify uh, no, himself No, he can't. Ever. He can't. No, he can't. M's got zero. I guess we're there. One or zero. What? I think, I think he'd have to roll a negative one. It's a trick question. <laughs> okay. plus, plus two because so it's single man yeah. counter. Plus one for CX. Yep. Plus one for non-AFV. Yep. And let's that, Sorry, was, that was yeah, that was that was low. That was mean. But at least everyone was guessing like zero. Yeah. <laughs> um. A uh, okay. A Molotov adds how much to an attack? What is, what's the firepower of a Molotov cocktail? Tim comes in with four. Tim is correct. Four is, is right? correct. That is correct. Uh, Molotovs cannot be used in subsequent fire. Uh, final protective fire. Cannot be used in both defensive fire and first fire, one or the other, but not both. As a statement of fact. That's a statement of fact. Can I point out that we have a listener from Japan coming in? We've seen him on when we do our little pod check thing. Pod being, it says there's people in Japan listening. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, and here he is. That's great, welcome. Hey, uh, in Japan, you, you don't happen to be on one of the Navy bases or the military bases there, are you? As office hours are currently in session, so yeah, yeah, I remember those days. That's where I was stationed for many, many years in the uh, Tokyo area. University. University. Ah, oh, so you teach conversational English, maybe? But I, I'm all right. Sorry, I'm like taking the Go conversation. Ahead. Do it. Oh, Ogenki desu Hi, hi, up. <laughs> I'm speaking for Mr. Adekayev. 
So, Nihon, Nanen, Deska. How many years in Japan? Genki Desu. Oh, Sugoi Genki Desu. Wow. We are international. Very exciting. Yeah, the, cool. the Japan's like 14 hours ahead. I remember we used to we used to watch the Super Bowl on Monday morning. Ah, he's a foreign student from Indonesia. Ah, okay. I guess I can't so ask like, your race. That would be racist. It's two weeks from now. There is that right? Two weeks. Two weeks from now. <laughs> two weeks. One total oh. day with the. It's like 14 hours with daylight savings time. Yeah, I get very confused. Okay. Um, yeah. When a uh, when a unit is using a Molotov. They are essentially declaring a fire group because they are also they also must use their inherent firepower when they throw the Molotov. And they combine with another group in a fire group. I would say no. I'd say yes. They can. Yes, hmm. they can. Uh, they have to declare their fire group before making their, their Molotov die roll check, and they also have to declare what their target is going to be before they make their die roll check. And even oh, like it, an armor fighting vehicle or right. infantry or, okay. Right, or, uh, or terrain. So, and even if the die roll check fails, they still must fire the inherent firepower or whatever else is part of the fire group. They have to fire it immediately. Because otherwise it gets really confusing. Oh, yeah. You know, think yeah. about it. You know, oh, I'm going to try and throw a... Uh, Molotov with this shot. Oh, I don't have the Molotov. Okay, I'm not going to shoot them. I'm going to come back later and uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it gets too confusing. Shoot it now and yeah. You got to think about that when you're when you're firing those. Obviously, uh, a fire group may only make one Molotov check per attack. That is the case. So if you're combining a bunch of units into a fire group, you can only roll for one Molotov amongst that whole fire group. Molotov check die roll count uh, counts as use of a support weapon. So a half squad or crew which fails a Molotov check um, may not attack at all. Because using a support weapon is their whole firepower. That's their whole firepower. A squad making a Molotov check die roll may not fire any other support weapons and must add its inherent firepower to the attack. Is that a statement of fact? That again? is a statement of fact. Okay, I might have got that wrong. Listen so to you're my, saying, just say listen it again. to the tone of my voice, Dave. <laughs> say, say that again, Jeff. A squad making a Molotov check die roll may not fire any other support weapon and must add its inherent firepower to that attack. So it can't hold back its inherent firepower and fire that somewhere else. Okay. can't hold it back and not fire somewhere else. It has to include that Correct. firepower. Okay. That. In a single-man counter, attack along with a Molotov. Listeners? In a single-man counter, attack alone with a Molotov. Rugby says yes. Mm -hmm. Tim says Tim yes. Tim says yes. Guest 13 says Tess, because he can't type. <laughs> oh. Guest 13 changed it to yes. Okay. Sandman says yes. And you're all wrong. No, I'm just no. kidding. Sure, because he has a number, right? Yes. That's I mean, right. he, he can roll for one, so. Yeah, single-man counter can. And he can do so without combining into a fire group. He can do it all by okay. his lonesome. Okay, he's the only little four-shot that can go with them all time. Right. All right, so now you've determined that you, uh, you've passed the, the Molotov check, and then you can roll on it. Uh, and actually, I've got to look up the chart, the Molotov chart. 
You may. Is it in the rules? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember seeing there. Or you mean on one of the dividers? Uh, well, actually, that's a Molotov column, I guess. There's a Molotov column. But if the colored die roll, I'm just oh, going to press yeah. on. If the colored die roll five is a six, what happens? Not very good. Got to be similar to the Panzerfaust that you pinned your. Yeah, the, mol the Molotov unit, the unit throwing breaks. the Molotov. is vaporized. It's actually break. Well, it's not vapored. It just breaks. It and breaks. there's a flame in your location, as Tim has just said. And it needs, and to, immediately, said, needs to immediately apply a soothing balm. To his burns. To his burns. Yeah, he's broken, and... Um, the firing unit, that, that unit's uh, inherent firepower or whatever else he's shooting, is voided. At Shot that doesn't time. count. Okay. However, the rest of the fire group that was shooting, their their uh, firepower would still be valid. And then also on that six, a flame is placed in the thrower's location. So, represent their clothes. <laughs> to make have to represent their clothes are on fire. So that's not a good thing. Uh, if the colored die... Uh, when you roll for a Molotov, not for the check, but for the effect, if the colored die is a one, what happens? If the colored die rolls a one, right. something good, right? Which could be. Is it possible to get a critical hit? No, Equipment? but you could place a flame in their hex. Is that right, Jeff? That is correct. Ah. You place a flame in the target hex, in the target location. Yes. Uh, but on both of those, only if those target locations contain burnable terrain. Correct. So if you throw it at a bunch of rocks, it's not going to go up in flames. I have a list here of all the burnable terrain, and um, I'm going to sing it. You're going to no. sing it? Then no, sing no, it? No. You don't want to ask our listeners to jump in here and listen? Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's get a list of burnable terrain. Let's throw out those. Uh, come on, everybody. Well, Tim says, not ponds. <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to have a really big one. Uh, let's get a list of all the burnable terrain. I'll get you started. Bamboo. Woods, yes. Grain, yes. Marsh. Tar pits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tar pits, they really go up well. Oh, and those yeah. little mastodons that are trapped in there, oh, yeah. they try and climb out. Oh, nasty. <laughs> Brush. Buildings. Huts. Actus patch. Iraq, Tim says. Ooh. Probably so. Who's 15? Dense jungle. Oh, that's you, Joe. I didn't know you were 20. Oh, sorry. I just signed in as a guest because okay. I, I get bumped every Thanks. once in a while. Hey, is, uh, how about this? Is grain, is grain in season burnable terrain? Yes. Is grain out of season burnable terrain? Yes. No, because it's not there. That's right. Well, it's all like chopped up. Yeah, it's all chopped up. I think yeah. Joe could be right. No. Uh, light jungle, olive groves, orchards, uh, patties in season. Palm Rice trees. patties? Yes, in season. Aren't those wet? Or burnable terrain? Well, actually, rice patties, oh, what do you think? During the growing season, they're flooded, and then they're not. Yeah, that's that a good... Right? Joe, you know uh, that's me. a good question. It I says they're patties. Always flooded. Are... West Philadelphia, also. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Detroit. And Chicago in 1969. Hey. hey, my wife Robin has just joined us. Uh, as, uh, uh, yes, is she? 
Where is she? She's, Hi, Robbie. She's guest 24. Oh, guest 24? Jeff, yes. she's the one that says, this is Jeff's wife. Oh, yeah. And man says, witches? <laughs> witches burn? Oh, yes, witches burn. Yes. A duck. Um, what else we got here? Uh, pier, piers, rubble, vineyards, wooden bridges, woods. You know, it's easier to say all the terrain that's not wet. Well, let's see. Let me tell you one of the things that are not burnable. Okay. <laughs> bridges. Even oh, wooden bridges. Is there above wooden bridges? I don't know. Are there wooden bridges? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not burnable terrain. Sewers. And you would think sewers might be burnable, but no. Bocage is not burnable terrain. Walls. Bocage. How about hedges? Trees. How about hedges? Do you think hedges are burnable terrain? I would say yeah, yeah, but I guess not because they're it's not. a bunch of leaves and not wood. I guess. I don't know. It seems like uh, anything that runs along the edge, edge of the is not. not. Be, yeah, it mess up the rules. Uh, what about graveyards? Burnable terrain? I pause. Graveyards. Yeah. No. Why I think the hex hex side stuff is not burnable. Yeah. It's not enough there to last like a very so long. Many, it's just it kind of would like the hedges would just whoosh, yeah. flare up. I think maybe that's why. But also good. imagine writing the that into the rules. Yeah, I was thinking okay, about so that. Okay, so if it's on a hex side, then right. it burn goes into the hex, or, or it spreads the you know. But yeah. That would spawn off another chapter it at least. <laughs> yeah, the dogs are doing a good job tonight. Oh, that's is that Winston barking? Yeah. Yeah, my buddy. Winston wants to remind you, everybody, that dogs are not burnable as well. So <laughs> I'm going to try that. Uh, Roadblocks, not burnable. Pillboxes, no. Wrecks, no. Swamps, well, burning wrecks. Uh, but you can't ignite her. If, if oh, okay. it, something is sitting there as a wreck and you That's throw right. a Molotov. Yeah, there's no the rules to run up and burn the wreck. Yeah. Swamp is a no. How about pongees? No. And seawalls, Joe. <laughs> Joe and I got really. We knew a lot Nightmares about over this, Nightmares the over seawalls sea as we were playing. Is the it a hindrance or is it a line of sight? Is it plus two? Is it plus yeah. one? Yeah. That was Guess something. two says phone booth. Phone booth, yes. <laughs> definitely burnable. Red phone booth? <clears throat> Any man says sheep are. Got to make sure they run in the right direction. That's flaming pigs. Yeah. yeah. yeah Romans did the flaming pigs. <laughs> That would be exciting. Yeah, see, I'm using I'm using Firefox, and I've only been kicked off once. I just thought it was because I timed out, but so I'm not having too many problems with. Guess thir- someone. Guess thirteen makes an inappropriate joke. The record. Are, is there more about Molotovs, Jeff? Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes. If the location containing flame is a fortified building or a non-building location subject to adverse weather. The environmental condition die roll modifier must be consulted to see if the flame can. So if it's a fortified, yeah, and Winston agrees. It's a fortified building or a non-building location, uh, which is subject to adverse weather, you have to check the the EC die roll modifier to see if there's wet conditions or or whatever, to see if then that, that flame can be placed there. Okay. Oh, yeah, because snow and all that reduces right. the chances of they, the building's got to be connecting. There's a chart for that, for EC conditions, um, somewhere. I can't put my fingers on it right. I'll get it in a minute. Uh, for the purposes of flame determination only, the white die roll of the Molotov attack die roll 
modified by negative one if it's a fortified building or appropriate environmental condition die roll modifier for adverse weather. That was getting too obscure. I, I was starting to, my brain started going, ah, come on. Yeah, once you get into the, yeah. Yeah. Like that's the spreading. Hey, if that happens, just that look stuff. it up. Folks. Yeah, you okay. have to look it up. All right. Um, versus armored targets. All, this, all the things I already talked about uh, take place or, or apply to armored targets, except for you must remember that the um, armored target must be pre-designated when you're made. You can't you need to say, I'm going, I'm throwing against this tank or I'm throwing against the infantry or against the terrain itself. Uh, it's resolved on the to kill die roll. Uh, the, uh, there's a Molotov column on the to Redo your res. No, you don't remember exactly what the to kill. Uh, does anybody know the to kill number of a Molotov against a uh, tank, an AFB? Six. We don't know. Can't be a flamethrowers. No, it's on its own. Guess four says four. Guess six says six. Twice says one. I say six. Yeah. Six. Tim says six for six sure. For sure. So Thank Tim you. wins. Unless Thank he's you, wrong. So do you find it yet? No, I see ATRs on the six column. The flame? Oh, I, I see it. it. Yeah, I got it. It's yeah, the one I mentioned earlier. The H E and flame to kill note table. And what is the number? Six. Six is correct. And that same die roll then applies to a specific collateral attack. To versus all other non-armored units in the AFB's location. Okay, in the whole location, not just right. Obscure. That seems very... That's well, one I would never remember. I would have to look. About as clear as mud on that. Yeah. Uh, if the to-kill die roll is less than the AFE's final to-kill number, then it's a burning wreck. If the to-kill die roll is equal to the AFE's final to-kill number, then eliminated. Are there any modification, uh, armor modifications when using a Molotov? The to kill die roll? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. oh, yeah, the crew exposed, the open topped. I don't know what they are. Probably crew exposed neg one or plus one to the number, and then perhaps uh, probably plus two. Is that right, Joe? Yeah, I, was, I almost mentioned those earlier when I mentioned the uh, six yeah. is the to kill number. So there, there are no armor modifications, but there are other guess modifications. Four and guess two said no. Yeah, there are, there are no armor modifications, is correct. Oh, Tim says a good trick is to drop Molotovs on a vehicle bypass move, freezing armor finding vehicle, so when the tank enters your hex to make you not shoot out of it, right. from the upper building level you are, you get neg two. Um, why? He says neg two, but he didn't say Yeah, I don't know why. Let's see, you get the neg two, for, well, if it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's open top. Yeah, uh, rear target and a neg one aerial target. Rugby's going to bed. Good night, Rugby. Hey, you thanks, Rugby. Later on. Thanks a lot for uh, tuning in. We'll have this posted in about two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks for uh, joining us, Rugby. Um, okay, let's move on. The... Okay, what is the modifier if it's a... Moving vehicle, moving non-stop AFB. To the to the Molotov number? to kill number. 
I would guess. What's your favorite number? Neg one. Plus one. It's two. Very close. Yeah, it's two. Okay. It is two. Boy, two sounds severe when you have a four. Four to kill number. Yeah. And then it's moving. Now you need snake eyes, right? Sounds pretty severe. 50%. Jim said neg two. (laughs) And then uh, when attacking from the same hex against an AFV, Molotov is assumed to score a rear hit. Is that true? That is true. Oh, okay, because most other things you have to roll for it. Same yeah. fours you had to roll for it, actually, I didn't get into that. Um, yeah. Oh, you do, you roll for it, DCs, huh? yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there was some debate about the flamethrower method of doing it. It wasn't real clear again in the rule. read somewhere. And then the, uh, there's also an elevation modifier? modifiers as well. What are they? Do you know? Because that's what... I wonder if that's what, Tim was, uh, what Tim was saying with the neg two. If you're above at a building it. level above, and then there's more, and I've lost the rest of my questions. <laughs> oh, the actual sheet of paper? Yes. You're kidding me. Well, while he's looking, I, I have a question. You know, yeah, strat- it involves strategy. Okay. Um, like some good. What are the what are people's strategy when you use a flamethrower or a Molotov cocktail or a demolition charge? Because a lot of times people just they trying to get it up into the fight. They roll once, it runs out of fuel. Yeah. They pitch the darn thing. But actually, a good little strategy I read somewhere in a, like a general, an old general magazine article, is actually a lot of the the potential for a flamethrower is. Is just that potential is when the opponent sees it in the stack and you start moving, the opponent always is going to react. The squad when he see, it's either going to draw fire or it's going to move. Or if you're moving, you let the opponent see the flamethrower and you start moving that around. It changes the person's way of thinking. On okay, man, I got I got to get my guys over there. I got to get the rifle guys over. There. It changes. It makes the opponent. Uh, it's that fear factor. They they don't know. So more of a psychological effect. Exactly. That's the word I'm looking uh, for. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And maybe not use it for six turns, but but as you're moving it around, mm-hmm. the the Russian is trying to get his 10-3 leader out of the way, or he's trying to make, oh, he's getting too close to my tank. I better move. It, it, it shakes things up in a scenario, whereas normally maybe it wouldn't. Or if you just run out of, if you just try to shoot at two hexes across the street right away on turn one to try and, and then you run out of fuel, what, what good is it? Then it's gone. Then the opponent's like, "Phew, okay, you know that thing's done." Now he goes on; he becomes the attacker, maybe. Yeah. So um, I always thought that was some good advice, and I've always wanted to try that. And, and again, it always depends on who your opponent is. If he's uh, maybe he's only he's playing a little bit less than you, you can try. There's different strategies you play. Maybe with a very skilled opponent, he's going to be like, "Oh yeah, he's just trying to to, to bluff me or scare me, and I'm not going to change." But yeah, it's always one thing. It's one way to use, I think, the flamethrowers and the Molotov cocktails is that psychological. Yeah. That's good. That makes sense. So it's almost if you don't, you really shouldn't plan to employ them. Not right away, right. Cause yeah. I remember in uh, my early days, I was like, all right, I have three demolition charges and a flamethrower. Right. You know, in the guards counterattack scenario, which you and I played. Remember how right. it's like a, we're like a, the Germans are like a herd of elephants coming across the street to go into the factory. And... But I remember many a times 
the the, the flamethrower just it ran out it tanked it ran out of fuel the first shot and I'm like oh crap and then I get out I I go to throw the demolition charges and the guys get killed with one they the other one does no effect and then pretty soon you run out of your weapons yeah and then the next thing you know the Russians are pushing you back across the street so right. it's just one of those things that when with those those psychological weapons there you can really intimidate how the opponent plays his game. And you purposely take the counter off. You let the lead, you let him see that 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 flamethrower as you're looking through. Oh, what do I have in here? Oh, the flamethrower. And a lot of times, guys are like mentally, they're like, oh, okay, and they they start adjusting their play. That's just one little strategy thing that I read. I've uh, I've tried it a couple of times. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, I've been missing for a little while. I just returned, and I didn't hear what Joe was saying. But uh, Hoy says, "Is this? Uh, I try to keep flamethrowers concealed when possible. Get close with a salt move." And then let it rip because in the advanced fire, it's a full effect weapon. So that's a great trick. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good uh, strategy as well. Yeah, Dave, I was talking to Jeff. I was just telling him some strategy tips that I I think I read yeah. in an article in the General Magazine. I don't know how much you came in. It's just well, we don't want to, we don't need to repeat. But them yeah, all. it's just basically psychological. You can intimidate your opponent. All by knowing it's out there somewhere. By letting him see him. Yeah, someone else had mentioned that here. Sandyman scare tactics. And now, now actually, guess four saying hiding behind a, a factory interior wall. That's correct because to uh, come into the factory, they have to come adjacent to you. The only time you get a chance to get that adjacent shot, of course, it's very powerful. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many more questions Jeff had. Oh, he's still going with that. Jeff, you're still going with the Molotov questions? Or are we done? I uh, got a couple more. Costa says, breach an interior wall and then flame it. You breach a wall with a demolition charge, right? Oh, yeah. Place it. Boom. Might get a hole in there. And then put a flamethrower through there. Nice little trick. Um, the last thing I want to go over is just versus terrain, using a Molotov against terrain. Any, And, and I'll ju- I'm just going to read right from the rules. Oh, so i got to put on the echo. And guest four, no, guest uh, Mr. J.R. Doty is heading off, so thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Oh. Yeah. Go in here now. I'm going to report this one from the bathroom. Versus terrain. Any infantry unit with a Molotov may add plus two to its kindling attempt die roll. Unlike the other uses of a Molotov, the user is in no jeopardy of breaking for using it to enhance his kindling attempt die roll. You can throw a Molotov woods in a wood building, something like that, in hopes of getting kindling going and for whatever reason, you might want to create a diversion, you might want to cut off somebody's retreat, you might want to burn up one of their victory condition buildings, something like that. So uh, there we go. That's it. Molotov cocktails. Enjoy one every night. All right. That was pretty good. That was fun. Yeah. I think we got about uh, on our sh- on our. Uh, we only have about two minutes actually left on our talk shoe. Well, we so, can extend. Um, you know, I don't know. If we get cut off in two minutes, bye. So, uh, and if we do, <laughs> if we do, then we do. Uh, but we we could try to finish the show. 
What do we got next, Dave? You've got something? Um, favorite scenarios. Oh, favorite scenarios? Okay. Yep. I recently played, I suppose. I have J96, another bloody attack. This is a prima assault. Yeah, actually, it's good we're on. Well, I was just kind of telling Jeff and Joe, maybe we should cut off the chat room bit and just finish up the show with some regular segments. Joe says no. Jeff says no. Jeff keep, says, keep, it, keep the confusion rolling. Because I just worry that our listeners at home are going, you know, the whole, how how much sense is this making to a listener? We have no idea. Yeah. Because we're, we're whipping out comments. They can't see the screen. Right. It's like if this is a test, we should keep it to a test and keep it to saying, now we're staying online, I think, guess for Right, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We've got one minute left. I don't but know if it's going to terminate automatically. And then have it get really, really confusing. Right. And then Jeff would come back and say, ah, we got to dump it. It doesn't make we gotta sense. we got to redo Whereas the whole Dave show. Dave would just post it anyway. Yeah. And say, no, we've re- we've recorded this, everything we've done so far, so people can come and listen to this. And so if we do get cut off, we'll tack this on the end. Or oh, what's coming up next? Right. My concern is having the confusion of the. Yeah, I got you. You don't want to okay. keep rolling or. Then I have J96, another bloody attack. This is Prima Soul Bridge. So the good thing about keeping everyone on is we can ask people in the chat room here. Um, I was looking for the scenario, looking through this scenario, and realized that there is J97, nice morning for a ride. That's also Prima Soul Bridge. However, I was wondering if there's more of them out there. Our listeners can tell us. I Went back through my journals. I couldn't find which issue this came in. It wasn't in the index. Oh. And I'm thinking, is there only two scenarios? The rest of it's a campaign game? Sure it is. I know it's a campaign game because I have all the rules section. Oh, yeah. Journal. journal yeah. yeah. Journal sure, it's J. Sure. But um, the question was, were there more of these scenarios for this map? So ah. my friend and I had played these two scenarios. Actually, the recent one was A Nice Morning for a Ride, J97. It had an 88L gun for the Germans. It had an interesting little convention where the British guy leaders on a bicycle. He has to ride right off the board. And when he rides off the board on turn one, then the reinforcements can come in on turn two. If he fails to get off on turn one, reinforcements are postponed until turn three. So it's a neat little convention. It's a little bit, um, what would you say, uh, not dicey, because if the wall gets off, I think it's easy for him to get off. But... It's fun, anyway. And uh, we had a good time playing this one. Morning Mist was in effect. When did you play that? Did you put your... Uh... This was just Saturday. Oh, okay. Friday night. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Friday night. And it's a historical board. It's full of vineyards. It's just coated with vineyards and and the um, olive groves, right? And so it's really hard to get long light in a site. So yeah. it's really like moving from hex to hex, but you're getting plus one for each hex between it just really had a different feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I found this one. I brought along Danica Air, J108. I don't believe I've played it. And why did I bring I brought it for Joe. can't remember why. Wait. Okay, Danica Air. I'm looking at this. Oh, I know why, Joe. Right here in the OBA of the Croatian First Light Infantry Parachute Company are five ammo counters that you think oh. you never see these right so i'm flipping through and i see no these no 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 this, this is different this it's is the different. ammo counter there's the trailer passenger oh trailer pa- okay never no. mind and i started a thread on the games the the game squad 
and it's like over a hundred posts already. People are just they just took it and ran with that uh, that that subject. So line. were what there was any your subject? Trail, the the trailer. The trailer. What is the most useless counter in ASL? And I oh. said I'll throw out my vote is the trailer passenger. People were like, yeah, yeah, that, who the heck's ever used that? And they've I forgot they've thrown out a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh. And of course it got derailed somewhere along the line and come back, but. Um, yeah, it was an interesting uh, huh. topic. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, Joe. I thought no, I but ammo, five ammo, yeah. and I thought, oh, that's Joe's going to be amazed. Yeah, you know, it hasn't been used too many times. Never any of these. So, All right, and that's mine. Mm-hmm. That was a scenario you've played recently. Yeah, because yeah. really, I think yeah, we were going to talk about uh, each of us split up the scenarios, and we were going to discuss for the uh, turning the tide scenario pack. Yeah. That was recently released. Well. Last winter. You guys don't have a recently played scenario? That's fairly recent. Oh, and I actually recently played PT-109 from yeah. the, uh, the um, from that French group. LFT. La Franck. La Franck. La Franck. Yeah. And um, that was a lot of fun. So, Dave, you'll be happy to know, or relieved to know, or consoled to know, there was no John F. Kennedy counter. Really? Right. So the fact that there's no Kleinschmidt counter, you know. It's <laughs> what would a JFK counter be? Would it be like a 10-3? Oh, if you're a Democrat, it would be 10-3. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be a guy with wavy hair. <laughs> but it was, re- yeah. it, was a, it was a fun scenario. Um, um, I played the Americans. Oh, I played the Japanese. Oh yeah, I was there that night. You know, did, did you yeah. say that you have short-term memory? I do. I, I did. I did. Have I ever told you I have a short-term memory problem? No, you haven't. <laughs> but um, well, that was fun. I mean, nothing, nothing too unusual, other than Joe had, uh, as the Americans, he had a couple of uh, ET boats and yeah, M- two MTBs. So yeah. I made my debut debut playing uh, boats and squad leader. Did you say yeah. das boot? Playing, debut. Uh, that's next. Oh, de- yeah. debut. 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 Playing. Uh, those were kind of the, the most trickiest thing about those. I read the rules, you know, landing craft. And I was like, okay, they're kind of overly complicated. Uh, but trying to understand LFTs, the covered arc for the machine guns on yeah, the that MTB. Was Remember, tricky. right? I think you and I, you and I had we, like a half hour before the game started. We were trying to review the rules and we're yeah. looking at the circle. Anyone unfamiliar with LFTs, uh, the scenario, the, the pack that this came in, the booklet has their own rules, obviously, because if they're adding their own counters to the squad leader system, is they have all the different uh, MTBs for all the various countries, the Italians, the German E-boats, the PT boats, the Japanese had some, and so all the little covered arc for each of those uh, yeah. guns, and boom, are quite complicated. Oh, it was very challenging because... Um, there was on the PT boats, there was a 50 millimeter on the starboard side, about halfway aft, and then there was another one on the port side up forward, and we were trying to figure out how the covered arcs went, and it just, it just was not making it. But it was Tuesday. Actually, as it, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty wacky, but as it turned out, we didn't really even, we didn't get that far. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we were learning. The scenario yeah. kind of moved. We learned some new rules about Instead of a sea invasion, that's yeah. a sea uh, seaborne assault. Not assault, but uh, retreat or well, evacuation. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the I read that you're able to move and then voluntarily break after turn two, run, and you can route to the boats as, right. as they are buildings. Your conditions where, of course, I had to get back off the beach. Yeah. And 
Jeff, I think we just weren't sure of that scenario, and we didn't know the kind of how it how it, the, the flow of the scenario was, and pretty much ran away from you real quick. Yeah, yeah. And with my uh, with my quads that came on uh, along the edge, along one of the board edges, I should have brought along along the beach to cut off your retreat, but I brought him in too far forward. But anyway, it was fun. So you had no concept of what the evacuation was going to be. Well, we, I knew what it was going to be, but I didn't take into account how quickly he could move off the board through the jungle that way. He crossed the road. I went, I went across a road that cut laterally across the scenario, but I couldn't cut him off. He just went too fast. So that was fun. And then I was looking at this uh, scenario U23. From what pack is this from? Hugh Return? Turning the, we're supposed to turning the what's in the box? Yeah. Oh, that's our what's in the box? Oh. You want to say it? No, you, you know what? Say it. You know what time it is? No. It's time for what's in the box. Turning the tide. Turning the tide. <laughs> okay, that, that's what's in the box. Steve, tell us what's in the box. So what is turning the tide? It's a bunch of rehashed scenarios from Squad. <laughs> well, no, okay, I don't mean to say rehashed because I really like the ones that I saw. Crescendo um, of Doom, Cross of Iron, and GI Anvil of Victory, some of the ones that Joe actually probably played when he was. Right? A couple of them, yep. Yeah. yeah, and then the ones we got to review, you have the two that I played just recently again. Should we start at. Where do they start in this pack? U14? Uh, probably with me, U14. Let's start with Joe, U14. Yeah. Go in order. And and just to keep it interesting, what I'm going to do, you're going to get my opinion here. I was tasked with reviewing U14 up to and including U19. So there's a couple I'm going to pan because I don't think they're they're even worth playing or even, again, it's my opinion. Have you played them? Uh, No, but can you read one? You can just tell it's a dog right away. And I'll explain it. But the first one, U14, Sacrifice of Polish Armor. I would recommend trying it. I've never played this since it's been done. Basically, the day one of World War II. It's September 1st, 1939. The Germans are invading Poland. But the good thing is it's not your typical Polish. Uh, it's a very elite unit. Both sides have a lot of toys and have elite. Or, well, the Germans don't have elite, but they have a lot of first-line units. Polish have good 12 squads of elite units, which is good, Four, five, eight. Boards and like most of the old scenarios, it's kind of long. Day standards, it's nine turns, three boards, and a high count, uh, counter density. But uh, Victor conditions are Germans win a game in by controlling their buildings that it con- they got to control. So it's a nice, good old fashioned take the flag, fight, fight for this, these buildings. And both sides have units uh, good enough for the up to the task for the video. I would recommend that one. U15, Battle for the Waterline. Another another uh, very early, it's September 6th. In this case, the Polish again have elite units, and the Germans, this is the first appearance of the German SS, uh, but it's so early in the war they're not treated as SS. They don't, uh, they don't break down into two half squads if they are. They also have some good, uh, they, they both sides have the OBA. 
There's a pillbox for the Polish. So basically the German SS have to take line from the Polish. And it's, a, it's another good scenario. U-16, under cover of darkness. I'll say right now it's a night scenario. Skip it. Night's not for everyone. Usually the only time I've played night is as part of a campaign game where it's it's in between the day campaigns, and you just pretty much hunk, hunker down to try and get through that night. But there are people out there that like it. This is definitely be forewarned. This is a uh, night scenario, and it's kind of big, so you're going to have a lot of star shells and a lot of night rolls to be looking up at. Star sh- or, uh, gun flashes. Dave, what would you say night is... Everyone's cup of tea? Uh, well, sure. There's players that don't play everything, but I've played all the night games yes, in order. <laughs> in triplicate, too, I know. <laughs> Why am I so glad? It's my nature, I guess. No, I, I night, no night is really great. I think it's cool. Night is very cool. You get all this. Um, you, you get to place out all your... And again, we will have a show on night. Yeah. A lot of night. But um, you get to do all the... I mean, you talk about fog of war. There's a ton of fog of war in a night. You know, you get to move... Even the attacker gets more units to move on concealed with just a concealment counter. I don't even know how tall the stack is. Oh. So you can tell nothing. You know, yeah. Moving on. It's I like that. There's a, talk, if you like yeah, there's a lot of overhead. War, yeah, I do like a lot of, of that. Yeah. Fog of War. Okay, next one, U-17, Resistance at Chabriz. Kind of, kind of cool and interesting because it's Belgian against the uh, Germans again. These are all from 1939 up to 1943. It's the early part of the war. Here... I think this, these scenarios came out when Cross of Iron or Crescendo of Doom, wherever they include, they introduced the motorcycle. Every scenario, regardless of whether oh, right. they have anything, like this is two boards, so there's, and they give you 12 motorcycles, all the Germans come on mounted, and it's fun. You know, the picture of the scenario is that they're on motorcycles with sidecars. But usually by turn one, a lot of, maybe turn two, the guy's, to heck where they're going, and then they dump, you know, they bail out on the motorcycles, and then they never use the motorcycles. Kind of neat to have them, and when you're going up against some uh, so-so first line in green, uh, I would rate it, I guess, 1 through 10, I'd rate it 5. It's not bad, not good. I'd give it a try if I had some time. Uh, the next one, the Assault on a Queen. This one, U18, definitely I would rate it a 1. because it's uh, For one, it's takes up both sides of the uh, scenario card. An event that never happened. Not, not that all squad leader scenarios are oh, events really? that happened, but uh, it never happened. I thought uh, it did happen. The story says that the, it's a lie? the airplanes crashed with the men. But the thing that really... Okay, wait. Well, this is, this, that's is, not a, that this per- is, I thought, a very, very cool one. That's not that Bermuda Triangle scenario. <laughs> See what? No. This has more special rules than you can shake a stick at. There's Are you telling 12. me this, this never happened? The Queen was feared... Okay, following the parachute drop on Holland, it was feared the Germans would attempt a secret raid to seize Queen Queen Wilhelmina. Sounds like a Flintstones character, but infant crown princess, Botrix, and other members of the Dutch royal family, fearing the Germans would strike, <laughs> was determined decided to immediately move the family from palace to another palace. That didn't happen? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, never, never took place. Uh, now, the after the uh, aftermath says that the wow, the plane, the raid was scrubbed. However, when the JU-52s carrying the group crashed, 
J-52s, meaning all of them crashed, and they. So I haven't Googled this yet to see if it was even an attempt, but it's more of a. It's kind of just. I can Google it right now. You keep talking. There's, well, like I said, if you go to the second page, there's 12 special rules. The whole thing yeah, is just tons. paragraphs, and tons I hate that rules. because you got to think of all the hill hexes as not being there. Think orchards as really being there, or it's just. And eight of the 12 rules, special rules, are just covering how to use the royal family, well, how to represent them, what they can do, who can fire at them. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a unique scenario. But believe me, if I have much time on my hands to play nine and a half turns of a scenario, I'm going to pick something a little meatier. Yeah. Little guest meatier, like guest two rider. writes that, um, on the board writes that assault on a queen is a total waste of time. agree with you there. Yeah. It's so, his least favorite uh, crescendo of doom scenario. And just to keep things moving, I got U19 as my last hasty pudding. And a large, it's a large scenario, long. It's nine, nine turns, three boards. Here the Germans go up against the British. Uh, very early war, 1943. Or, I'm sorry, 1940. Have a lot of they have early tanks, and then the bulldozers. It looks like. Oh, actually, I love an armor modifier in the front. Really outstanding for 19. Or German Panzer. Yep. Only a frontal armor. But I guess to summarize, what I've what surprised me is the ELR is so low on all these scenarios. I would expect the Germans being in. Well, this one here, this is the only one that I just read where the Germans have an ELR of four. But a lot of the ELR is going back. Alt on the Queen, the Royal Dutch Grenadiers, okay, they they have an ELR. And the Germans going after them, they have an ELR 4 as well. These early ones from, like, Poland, it just surprised me that the Germans have such a... Are, I would think morale is... Really oh, sorry. Sorry, listeners. That scared the heck out of me. Tasty Pudding, that's another one I would recommend. <laughs> I am sorry. That was a mistake. Whoever has a U-20. Thank you. Me? And I didn't go through all of these. I just picked my two favorites. And uh, one of these, U-24, I I always like these scenarios that are really short, have a minimal number of units. Short, because they're just fun to play through quick. And we... I don't think I've played this one, but it looks like fun. It's called Traverse Right Fire, and it's uh, Russian armored cars, five Russian armored cars against uh, four German Panzer threes. And this one's kind of interesting. It uses board 11, but um, as you when you start, each player rolls, compares their roll to a little chart that comes on the SSR that shows where their units are supposed to enter and exit board. And um, then just based upon that, board and see if they can see each other and decide to fire at each other. Considered a classic. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. I believe it's well known. And they they both enter the both sides enter simultaneously and uh, move along their hexes to a certain point and then try to determine if they can fire at each other. This looks like fun, real quick fun, and especially if you're sort of new. To any sort of vehicles, this would be 
this uh, takes place, let's see, somewhere in Ballyostock, June 1941. And then the other one that looked like really a uh, good time for me is Rehearsal for Crete. A troop drop? Yes. Fish against the Germans in uh, Peloponnesus, Greece, when the the Allies were sort of uh, in a jam in this particular position, sort of retreating and uh, having to guard their uh, bridges. They were hesitant to blow up the bridges because they didn't want to cut off the retreat of troops that were the peninsula. But uh, it's a nice big scenario. There's five boards here, three, two, 40, four, and six, with uh, different squads. The British have their New Zealanders and Greek troops coming in, a lot of first line, some green. The Greek troops are green. Are they green? Are Greeks green? I guess they are. Maybe that's what the G means. The ad hoc group of Yeah. Sure. That yeah, I love be. the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah, and they just enter at various stages along all one side of all the boards, and then the, the Germans respond with a lot of elite paratroopers. And, well, I don't know if they're paratroopers, but uh, lots of gliders. The Germans have 13 gliders coming along on the first turn, and then another two gliders later on with their elite squads and Pretty large scenario, both in size and turns. It's 10 turns, lots of different squads. Uh, nothing really unusual in the SSRs. Like, looks like good, clean fun. If you like Greek food, appropriate to order that night. Rehearsal for Crete. Not all of them? That's, that's not all of them, but those are the two I picked as interesting. Oh. Uh, I also had Hasty Pudding, which Joe just I thought did. we were reviewing all of them. No, well, I didn't like the French perimeter. Careful now. I didn't. I did not like it. It did not appeal to me. And you didn't me. play it either? No, I didn't play it. Maybe. Why didn't you like it? I read through it and... Um, any more than did. that. <laughs> yeah, but see that... A lot of times, yeah, the scenario is what, what catches your attention. And if it's just uh, <laughs> got to be something there. Oh, yeah. well, certainly. Yes. Um, so where am I picking up at? U-26? Bald Hill, Leningrad. Uh, if you like large games, if you like, uh, well, it's got a flamethrower, 3DCs. It's got six half tracks and four trucks, which if you, you know, if you guess if you like that, that can muddy up the game. It's a lot of things to move around the board. Yeah. Ten turns is a lot to play. Germans get air support with two Stukas. Um, the two pillboxes are in there, which have this really unique rule. they got 122L artillery pieces representing casemented naval gun emplacements. And they have pre-designated placement. So that kind of adds, I guess, to it or against it. Twenty uh, U-27. Cavalry, 12 cavalry. We're looking at a German-Russian adventure, 12 cav. 20 Russian squads, 10 partisan squads. And if you can bust partisans to less than half, they have to retreat into a woods area. So I thought that was kind of interesting, giving you a lot of choices to make. Again, it's 10 turns, so it's massive. One thing I noticed is for me is all these arrows seem to be very, very large. 
the U28, we got 10 turn game, Russians, birdie squads, 17 tanks plus nine trucks. And again, you're talking a massive game, 10 turns. And the Germans are looking at similar force. South Show 79. Do not know. Maybe a listener knows. Type it on in. U-29 is a night game. Eight turns. The night battle at Nora Marayevka. Night rules in effect. Two German armor fighting vehicles. Our man is decoys. They can't take any action, so they're just out there. You have to decide as the attacker which two of the tanks are decoys. That oh. might give it a little more interest. Mm-hmm. I thought the special rules overall on these things gave them a nice little flavor. Seem to be seem to be a bit different. These again seem to be very large. U thirty swatting the at tigers. Now you're talking. You like that one? Terminal B. Ah yes, the tigers. Five tiger one. Ooh. Oh, it's, it's a, yeah. And then... Well, it's a standard infantry force, right? With them, but yeah, it's got five tigers. Problem, I think it may be well, or it's a good thing too. Again, like you guys are saying, make a judgment on it. If you it, you have a pre-designated setup, so if you want to save time, you have to set up in these hexes. Mm-hmm. So that's real quick to set up. A lot of people would probably complain. Scenario stinks because you don't get any choices in where you. There's low ammo, bazookas. German infantry initially set up in the same hex. Armor fighting vehicles are riders on the armor fighting vehicle. So they're set up in motion facing down the road. And some players would like that. Some would think that's too much of a restriction, I guess. And the 10 egg 3 is with Colonel Gavin. Colonel Gavin ah. Gavin's tape. Miss General. And U-31, the front in flames. Germans win by amassing more victory points than the Russians. And they get points normally. And... Uh, for, for control of level one location of K4. So you're finding the short one, surprisingly short for this scenario pack. Four turns, less than 10 squads per side. You do have this dice thing where you, or where you randomly roll or draw a chit to determine the entry hex of the Germans and the Russians, and you enter in columns. And so if the columns don't spot each other, they keep going and they go right off the board. And you oh. enter again on the same side. It's kind of like asteroids. And then as you move through, if they spot each other, suddenly you start turn, game turn one. So game turn one doesn't start until they're actually spotted. And you could, so it seemed very oh, I see. very different. You have these two yeah. columns that literally may not see each other for quite a while. I don't know how that would play out. Disaster on the Denis-Pierre Loop, 232. Has a paratroop drop. In a bunch of different groups, on a squads, looks like... 2030, a group of partisans is set up in the woods to assist in this drop. Uh, I think it was that the Russians were trying to get supplies to the partisans. The Germans were moving in to intercept them. Uh, they prepared, prepared uh, special rule four. Well, partisans have Molotov. It is a night rules game also. Prepare a deck of playing cards, A-6. Uh, A Oh, eight through six. At the start of each turn, the first six Russian rally phases draw a card and discard it. The corresponding Russian drop group enters. So you're you're randomly determining which group of Russians will fall into the board. Mm-hmm. And so that seemed kind of kind of neat. 
with random drop points, so you can't just pick where you're going to drop them. And then when the Russians or partisans recover a half-inch parachute counter, you replace it with a support weapon randomly generated and a half-inch counter uh, recovered. Or no, uh, when the Germans recover it, it's destroyed. So it adds in an element of, it sounds like, racing to get these canisters yeah. as well as trying to shoot down the paratroop drops. And that's it. Very nice. We got our work cut out for us. If I ever get to these scenarios, yeah. I'll let you. Well, uh, I would say that's it for one night. We've done enough damage. Been on for two hours and 27 minutes. Uh, <clears throat> I'm starting to get a little parched. I'm going to need a little something to drink. <clears throat> May have to More grab beer. another Tetley's. So for all of you that are still with us, thanks for your support. Phil from Wales, I don't know what time it is. <laughs> Phil, you're just going to stay up all night there? 6 a.m. Yeah, it's almost time to go to work, man. There's a really dedicated, dedicated. Much appreciated. Very much appreciated. So um, I'd say based upon this, we'll do this again. We'll see. Uh, oh, yeah, Phil says it's 3.24 a.m. He's going to get a good two hours sleep. That's all I need. And um, so we'll see you all next time. So, oh, I would say, gentlemen, anything, any parting comments? Bye-bye, everybody. Well, remember, roll low. And may the, the dice, dice be with, with you, but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye. <laughs>